0: Something about pooping into old video game magazines is causing vague
1: recollections I couldn't possibly have. Something about me being a
0: long tenured announcer for some sort of iPod broadcast about video games.
1: Hello and welcome to the conversation. I'm Hyle Russell and I'm Jeff Oden and. This is The Conversation with Kyle Russell and Jeff Onan. Jeff, you, how, how you been? You haven't been on in a, a spell. How are you? A hot
0: minute, yeah. Uh, I'm good, and uh, I'm healthy. I've got one, uh, one out of two doses of the safety soup yeah? in my arm. And uh, waiting on, on the next one to come. Um waiting on my dealer. Uh, <laughs> that's,
1: that's how it works, right? Up. Yeah. Uh
0: yep, so
1: Yeah, I, I got my second dose uh a couple days ago and uh this is the first day where I'm feeling like uh I want to get out of bed. So I was like, Well what can I do about that? Well I could record the conversation. So I dialed you up, dialed you up and I said, Hey Jeff, hey Jeff, I, I have a a hair and an itchy hair about recording the conversation so here we are and that's the origin of this episode yep uh yeah yep (laughs) so uh my arm's not even that sore today it's great i i can i can do all sorts of things that require I, i
0: stumbled on a really i stumbled on a really funny joke that i've only told a thousand times this month yeah which is uh I just got my first shot of the COVID vaccine, and boy, are one of my arms tired. Yeah,
1: no, uh, I, I I used to tell that joke all the time in uh, in junior high after I finished masturbating.
0: Oh, which would probably just be like once an hour, right?
1: Oh yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely, and uh, and you don't want to get one of the vaccines once an hour because I'm pretty sure that wouldn't what be good.
0: Pu- what are what are public bathrooms for? Uh,
1: anyway? So anyway, uh, th- this, this episode, uh, we're going to be discussing the new structure of Sea of Thieves, the season structure that was implemented a few months back. Uh, season one just wrapped up and we, we've just started season two. Well, not we, Rare has started season two for Sea of Thieves. And, you know, I, I scoffed when I first heard the terminology which is pretty standard in in modern gaming but you know Sea of Thieves is a game that's been out since uh, March of 2018 and so to to have uh season 1 uh when when you're you know encroaching on that third anniversary sounds ludicrous and and just kind of like the yeah the confused terminology that I loathe uh, super. Mar- I would have.
0: I would have loved if they, if they, uh, if they just came out and said, "All right, we're launching seasons. Look forward to Sea of Thieves season thirteen starting in January." Yeah,
1: I mean that's essentially what it is. So you know, going forward, the conversation are you know four times a year, whatever Sea of Thieves um, update episodes are going to be structured around this new season formula. So every time a season wraps up, we will then uh, gather here in our gathering space, and we will discuss uh, everything that happened in s- season blank, season X. And, you know, this episode in particular, though, we will be discussing what the season formula has done to the game and how I feel like it's sort of reinvigorated it, but in a way that not just makes the game, like, gives you more stuff to do, which is essentially what the game has been doing with every update. It's like, here's more stuff to do. And I feel like this update is different in that it doesn't just give pre-existing players more stuff to do and keep them engaged with the game, but I feel like it opens up the game and makes it more accessible for game gamers who might have different styles of playing and made me see of Thieves wasn't entirely accommodating up until this point. So I, I feel like the season structure is not only giving you more stuff to do, but it's also I feel, it kind of made the game more welcoming for different types, different folk. And I, I want to get into all of that on this episode. But first... I want to plug some of our wares, some of DK Vine's family of social media sites, uh, because you know I run the Facebook, and I, I've the Facebook page just turned ten years old, so that's Oof. depressing. Time to get a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, get out of the house and go to the factory, you lazy loafer. Uh, I, yeah, the Facebook page back in the day, that, that was like what I ran before Facebook before Mark Zuckerberg. And you're like, Oh, you're doing what? Oh, ew. but you know, it it was a great way to reach new, new faces around the world and kind of introduce them to DK Vine. And then that was like my baby. That was like what I, what I ran back in the day. And I still run it to this day, but I also run the Twitter uh, and you, you can find us on Twitter. I, I tweet. And, uh, Joe, our, our, our friend Joe Mudd, site staffer, runs the, uh, Instagram page. So you can find all of that. You just go to dkvine.com forward slash and put in the social media site and, and you can find us. Conversely, you could also just type in dkvine on those social media sites, which is how most people would do it. But, you know uh check us out there uh check us out on youtube check us out on twitch we've got weekly streams either it's it's me either it's uh like us jeff cameron me doing sea of thieves sessions or it's the idaho crew uh they're they're usually playing every tuesday evening and they're just picking games from the uh expansive back catalog of the dku and so it's like, oh, you know, today we're gonna play Skylander Superchargers. And today we're gonna play Tropical Freeze, which is probably what more people would want to watch than Skylander Superchargers, but you know, uh that's that's the beauty of the DKU. It's it's wide, it's diverse, and it's uh it it's it's full of some surprising entries that you wouldn't think about. So the, the Idaho crew consisting of Adam, Andrew, our friend Dustin Jackson. Sometimes uh, Tito, Tito t- Tate is there. Yes, Uh, but but they're, they're, it's like the the he's w- like the Y of the right. Of I was going to make vowels, the Y yeah. the the Val joke. But you already, you're already. I, I
0: just stomped all over that for it's you. It's
1: the, it's the vaccine. It puts, puts the, the, the Y vowel joke in your head. All these conspiracy theorists are yeah. worried about, like, oh, you... the vaccine's going to do this. It's like, no, it's just going to make you make the same vowel jokes. That's all it does. We know,
0: now we know, now we know all the jokes that Bill Gates knows because he put it in us. He's a funny
1: guy, it turns out. Who knew? anyway, so yeah, check us out on Twitch and also check out Golden Sands blog post, that's Jeff's baby Jeff, talk about your baby
0: yeah, so if you like Sea of Thieves, hopefully you do because this episode's all about that if you don't, you probably tune out now if you don't like it, Uh, but if you do Golden Sands blog post on medium.com is a one stop resource for guides to what is the new content coming out, uh, coverage of limited-time promotions, uh, Twitch drops you can earn, uh, other things like that in a limited nature, any kind of news coming out of the game, um, basically anything you might need to know. We even cover um, all the lore in the game, so like if there was limited-time dialogue or, or hints and teases happening in the game that disappear month after month, uh, we catalog and preserve it. Um... So, yeah, it's on medium.com slash golden hyphen sands hyphen blog post. You can also find it on Twitter, uh, Twitter at golden sands blog. So, yeah, check it out. Right. And
1: you can also check it out. dkvine.com forward slash golden sands blog post. That works, too. I'm I always have those forward slashes ready to go.
0: Just like if you were fighting a pirate in Sea of Thieves. No, then I or just die. Us?
1: Then I just die.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That You don't have the forward slash ready to go and you're now you're dead. Yeah.
1: That's that's why I've prepared it in every other aspect of my life. Yeah. So Sea of Thieves, Jeff. Uh, here we are again talking about Sea of Thieves. And, you know, it's a game I play practically every week. It's a game you play multiple times a week. And, it's it's something I'm still not tired of. Remarkably, you know, it, it's granted it it it's the first game in the DKU that really is uh, an evolving. Um, what's what's the term? Your uh, evol- living game, living game, evolving game. Living, Just want a BAFTA living, for it yeah. uh, in, in that category. So, yes. you know, it, it's constantly refreshing itself while uh while while its bones, while its structure remains the same, it's it's always uh slapping on some new flesh. <laughs> so, uh it's it, it's different now than it was when it launched and yet yet it you know the core of the game is still the same, but uh before the season structure kicked in, you know, when we were doing the catch-up episodes, uh, we, we we still haven't gotten completely caught up uh, on, on where uh, Season 1 picks up. So maybe we should go back really quick and touch upon some of the stuff they added to the game right before the season structure took over.
0: Right, yeah. So I believe in our last catch-up episode, we got caught up through September's Vaults of the Ancients update. Um, so... Between September and January, when Season 1 launched, there was a few months there. And we'll quickly catch up on those now. Uh, October is the spooky times. Uh, which is our favorite time of the year. I I, don't, I can't speak for you. It's my favorite time of the year. But it's especially exciting in Sea of Thieves when it gets spooky. Because there's so many spooky things in Sea of Thieves. And so this October, uh, they continued their Halloween-y trend of having Blank of the Damned updates with the Fate of the Damned. Uh, there was there was the Festival of the Damned in 2018, then there was the Fort of the Damned, and now we had the Fate of the Damned. And I'm still waiting on the Fart of the Damned, low-hanging fruit, moving on. Uh, so yeah, this was a bit of a, a... not so much a new feature set as those past Halloweens have had. It was more of a <clears throat> a structured excuse to revisit the features uh, of those uh, Halloween updates. So it was a live event, uh, which is what they call these kind of events that they put together that are, they're not build ride adventures, but they're kind of put together where they just track uh, objectives that are already being tracked in the game, like sell X amount of skulls or sell or, you know, do this or that. And so it was a live event that uh but as far as those live events go, this one was particularly interesting because it had a story to it, which is kind of the first time they've done that with one of these live events, so they had this story going on in the game about how uh the Bill rats were going around their business and turning up missing uh which I guess is the opposite of turning up they didn't turn up because they're missing, and um skeletons are to blame, as usual, and so you go on these kind of voyages to, to follow in their footsteps and see what happened to them, and you would find the, their remains uh, because they're now these, like, skeletons, and they'd be holding the Flames of Fate lanterns, uh, and then you'd get attacked by Shadows of Fate skeletons, so these are, like, uh, skeletons that are also ghosts, so it's, like, undead, undead, un- un- like, double undead, and uh, like, dun-dun-dun, dead. And uh, you you hold up the lantern. So this, you're, you'd be familiar with this if you've played past Halloween events. Um, but this voyage was like a, a shortcut way to get a guaranteed lantern of fate without having to go through necessarily the rigmarole of how you usually get the flames of fate. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of that voyage... You would stop you would stumble upon some skeletons doing a ritual to resurrect the ghost of gray marrow it's a bad guy and you'd kill him and you'd get a ritual skull so now you'd have some flames of fate and you'd have a ritual skull those happen to be basically the fuel you need to ignite the fort of the damned and so in addition to these voyages they also had some challenges throughout the month Um that tasked you with completing the Fort of the Damned and defeating Grey Merrill, And so they did this kind of week by week structure to the story. Every week it took you to a different region of the world and you'd find some different build Rat crews with different flames of fate. And they'd all kind of lead to the same conclusion, which is go fight the Fort of the Damned. Um, and earn some spooky cosmetics along the way, which is all you really need on Halloween.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I saw some complaints online from the, the, the broadest, like, Sea of Thieves community. Um, where it's just like, uh, oh, uh, you, you, you feeling lazy, Rare? You're just recycling content. you like, I, like, they expected a, a whole new, like, thing as the center of their Halloween season around rather than, like, repurposing the Fort of the Damned, which, you know, the Fort of the Damned is, always in the game you can always activate it if you get the the proper fuel as you put it and you know get the ritual skull get the flames and and then set it set it up but it's you know rare uh, that rare um, kind of encourages players to like do something like they they want a lot of players to congregate in one spot so they're going to center the the update or the events around that uh, with the notion that, you know, they want to draw people in and then there's conflict and that there's potential alliances and there's drama that way but, you know, I I, I just kind of had to roll my eyes at that commentary that, oh, you're just recycling content you you lazy assholes, like what do you expect? I mean in a game I'm going to talk about infrastructure Jeff, uh, I'm going to Gonna, oh, go, boy. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, it infrastructure. It, you know, the the game's infrastructure. You know, you it it's supposed to be repurposed like this in a living game like this. Like, you're not just gonna like continually like add new what islands? Add new, I I don't even know what they're complaining about. People just like to complain, and that's my complaint. Is that it's just <laughs> like I don't understand. How you can like, and this is completely optional too. Like, you don't have to do this. You you can always do whatever you want to do, uh, which the season structure uh, really accommodates. I feel like, but it, it's just like, come on. It it was uh, a a person I like whenever they give me incentive to go back and revisit things that I maybe didn't do like a, as much as I would have liked. Like the, when the Afford of the Damned was new. Uh, over you know back in what 2019? Yeah, uh, Halloween 2019. Yeah, like I I played it a few times. Well, I didn't play it as many times as other people played it. So you know it was fun for me to have a reason to you know gather my my usual crew and and like hey we're gonna do the fort of the damned and you know continue you know get some more notches on my commendation ticker and. Yeah that was that's fun for me especially since you know the game has so much stuff to do that sometimes I don't go back and replay it unless the game is kind of um giving me that yep. lifeline giving me that reason to do it uh on top of everything else so yeah I don't know
0: yeah you know the the way I look at it is they they've done stuff like this since all the way back in like early, early 2019 with the very first mercenary voyages. And, and uh, you know, not to do like a history lesson here, but they, they did like a Reaper's Run voyage of uh, Wanderer's Refuge. And it was just like for this week or for this couple weeks, you could get a voyage from Duke um, and it would point you to Wanderer's Refuge to dig up captain's chests. And everyone on the server had this thing pushing them to go to Wanderer's Refuge. Whether whether you were trying to do the voyage for commendations or whether you just knew other people were going to be there doing it. And it was this kind of forced, not forced, but it was like this um, natural uh, choke point where everyone was coming. And it created a story. It created a unique feel in the game for that two weeks. Where the game felt different than it did ever before, and then they did other kinds of voyages like that throughout twenty nineteen and 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 so like they've been doing stuff like that all along, which is basically just to say using the tools that are already in the game without creating any new feature or new anything really, and using it to drive new stories and new feelings in the game so yeah you you might be doing the same you might be using the same gameplay you've experienced before. But it's in new ways. And people who have like no tolerance for that, people who are like, oh, I need something brand new every time, and if it's recycled or reused in any way, I'm not even going to acknowledge the ways in which it cleverly is used to create a new game state. You can use the same tools to create new game states and new uh, game gameplay feeling. And so with, back to the fate of the Damned event, um, yeah, so the Fort of the Damned has been out for a year, and a lot of people played it already, and then you could play it any time. But for the past year, you probably haven't played the Fate of the Fort of the Damned much because there's been other stuff going on. We had, uh, you know, stuff like Flameheart, Burning Blade, Ghost Ship battles. We had the Ashen Winds battles. We had the Vaults of the Ancients. So you go a whole year where you barely ever do the four of the Damned or maybe haven't done the four of the Damned in a whole year and then Rare comes along and says well here for this month we're doing challenge or we're basically awarding uh, rewards for people who do the four of the Damned and we're giving you a voyage that is new and different um, that will get you a ritual skull and flames of fate faster so that you can have a shortcut way to get to the Fort of the Damned without having to spend a long session getting it set up. And when you do that, and you create this moment in time where everyone in the game has an easier way to do the Fort of the Dam, to get it activated, and they're incentivized to do the Fort of the Dam because of commendations, uh, you create a new game feel, where all of a sudden, there's a lot of flocking to that uh, place in the game, and a lot of interactions happening around it whether you bring a lot of people together and they say hey let's all join an alliance and we'll get this done faster and we'll split up the treasure or you get people who are uh, gonna fight over it and then it's okay we've done all this work we've got to defend ourselves and like what's going to be our game plan and so yes the content is re- this content was recycled uh but in a way it's still new because it's new from what we were doing the past 12 months, 11 months. Uh, and I feel like it's unreasonable to expect people, to expect Rare, uh, to completely abandon a feature once it's in. Like, oh yeah, the Fort of the Damned is old news, so now we never expect you to do it again. And we're always going to have something new every month, so you never have to go back. And I and I know I've been kind of talking a lot about it, but I, I I'll summarize it like this. I think there's a couple types of players you and I are a type of player that are pretty satisfied with what's already here. And so um, all we really need to keep ourselves satisfied in the game is a little push to do something a little different. Yeah. And um, whether it's revisiting something we've done before um, or it's doing something we've done before with a new twist on it, or it's just incentivizing it, which we're going to talk a lot about with when we come to season uh, rewards in a minute. Um, then the, the other types of players, there is the... The kinds that uh, maybe maybe they play the game so much that when a new feature is out, they play it into the dirt. They beat it like a dead horse, and then they say, Well, I am never playing the Ford of the Damned again because I've done I did it fifty times in a month to complete that commendation. And it's like, hey man, you know, you play however you want, but then I get I don't think you can complain that a living game wants you to replay its features from time to time, Uh, you know. Right, yeah. So, And it's a big theme going throughout the past few months and into season one and and also now into season two is uh, there's this kind of butting heads with the members of the community that don't want to play anything that's remotely recycled. Um, But at the same time, I think that it's a... It's a butting heads between the team wants to make new features, but they're in the middle of working from home in a pandemic year, and they have big ideas and big features planned that are just kind of on the horizon, and people don't really have a lot of patience.
1: They they don't because people... I I, I don't know. <laughs> it's people are unreasonable uh the, the masses at large i feel they just have no empathy or understanding of how this stuff works especially in the middle of a pandemic and and like my like so my my thing my area of expertise my fetish if you will is lore and and the storylines in the game uh, because, you know, Sea of Thieves is, you know, I- in and of itself, this huge lore-heavy uh, adventure and, and mythology. And-, and that's not even when you, like, plug it into the rest of Rare Shared Universe, or what we would call the DKU. Which, you know, th- it-, it has its tendrils in nearly every Rare franchise that ever was. Uh, as kind of this this omni-prequel, or in some cases sequel, but um uh, the, the I think I've noticed like the pandemic really slowed down any progression of storylines. Like we've kind of been in a holding pattern since the pandemic hit, where, you know, yeah, like new stuff will crop up like, ooh, these shadow of fate skellies, they're up to no good. What are they doing and And, oh, uh, the these merchant. Ships were attacked or something, and like minor stuff happens. But the the larger storylines, like with Flameheart's incursion, it's just taking forever to get off the ground. But that's understandable too, because they've they've really had to change their plans and kind of draw yeah. them out when everybody started had to you know work from home because oh there's a worldwide
0: pandemic. But even that being said, there's still things that we've been able to dig our teeth into in that front. Like like this fate of the damned event, um, the actual story behind it is uh, these Skellies that are trying to resurrect Marrow are doing so to pit him against Flameheart. Because they don't want Flameheart to rule the sea. So there's, there is a faction, at least some faction of Skellies, that are not pro-Flameheart. And that just knowing that detail instantly makes the world of Sea of Thieves feel so much richer to me to know, you know, how there's these different factions of skeletons and they aren't all like, oh, you know, Flameheart's the big bad right now. So everything that's happening is happening because of him. It's not the case because we had, you know, the Vaults of the Ancients had kind of a bit more lore going on with, well, what are the Gold Hoarders doing now that the Gold Hoarder is canonically... Dead for the moment, uh, you know. And this, so they're like, okay, well, we're we're not going to put our treasure on Tribute Peak. We're going to store our treasure in these vaults that were the ancient. They were uh, left over by the ancients, and you know. And then you've got you know the the skeletons want Flameheart. Or they want Grey Marrow to fight Flameheart, and so we're gonna we're gonna do a little ritual to try and bring him back, and get foiled again by those pesky pirates. Um, so you know the the, the story isn't progressing. In a grand sense, it's a little bit like we're in the middle of an arc that just has a lot of uh, drawn-out filler. Yeah. Uh, and if it was like an anime or something, if you're looking at like a long-running serial story, um, it's like every month. Oh, now the bad guys have done this, so go do this for the good guys, kind of thing. Um, and and we're not kind of getting a big resolution yet, but uh, but. What I like is that even though we're not getting a lot of forward progress in the grand sense of the story, at least there is a story to – there is a story rationale to everything that has happened. Right. They bring in an event, and the event has uh, a a backstory to it. Even if it's a little bit, you know, it's still nice that they're keeping a consistent kind of ongoing narrative. Well, speaking of
1: events, they, they did sort of do something you wanted them to do, not in the way you had envisioned, but, uh, they added an event hub to the game. Um, and right. Uh, yeah. So the, the event hub was added around this time. And now these, uh, kind of like several week long events that are sort of separate from the in game. Commendations and build rat tabs and and you know uh, the the whole menu there the, the, these are more ephemeral there there's there there's uh, nothing that really affects your like long term progress but you can score commend um, excuse me you can score items equipment or certain titles. That are all time limited by completing these objectives. And before there was no way to track this in game, you would have to go to the website and see how far you, you know, you've, you've come along like, Oh, I've, I've killed this many sharks or caught this many fish or, or whatever. And it was a nuisance. It was a hassle. And you came up with the idea which you talked about on this very podcast series. Where, you know, maybe in the tavern there could be like an, a bulletin board or something, which I thought was a great idea, but because you thought of it, Rare couldn't use it, so they just went with this this menu tab, which, okay, it works.
0: Yeah, so the event hub was just like, it was, uh, it was on the website, and now with the fate of the damned update, they put it into a tab in the game itself, and it's not just these weekly, you know, not weekly, but these kind of live event things that lasted for several weeks or that have been kind of happening once every month or so. um, It's not just those. When they put the Event Hub on the website, they also had daily challenges. You know, do a daily challenge every day and you could get a little little bundle of gold or, or doubloons for doing so. And they added these kind of weekly, uh, event things, like, uh, every, you know, every Friday is Fort Friday, so if you play during a certain time on Fridays, you get double the loot when you sell the, um, you get double the, the payout on Stronghold loot from the forts, and so, like, little things like that, they've been doing that for, like, months, uh, but you had to go on the website to see what they were, like, what's the daily challenge, what's the weekly thing, And then what's this ongoing event like the Fate of the dam? Well, now it's in the game. So you don't have to go to a separate website or have your phone open while you play. Um, And uh, that's just a nice quality of life update. And at the same time, uh, they also added in the mysterious notes. So when you you load into the game in the tavern, you kind of wake up from your drunken stupor uh, at the table. And uh, there's a note there. Pinned to the table in front of you and you pick it up and now you've got notes in your inventory right out the gate uh that will tell you kind of some stuff that's going on right now which i think is good in terms of uh improving visibility on things that are time limited and things that are new because i feel like every time we do one of these events it's common to run into other players that don't even know there's an event going on yeah So, and that's what we were talking about with the bulletin board feature type stuff. But this is kind of accomplishing that in a different way. Um, So, yeah, just a nice quality of life change there. Um,
1: Which I feel like really came into handy once we got into the holidays and they added, like, the the events, like, 12... uh, well, twelve, twelve deeds, deeds of giving, is is that what it was called? That's
0: right. Yeah, and yeah, there's a lot of events throughout the holiday season. So, Fate of the Damned went, and this is actually the weird quirk with uh with their Halloween events is that they usually launch a Halloween update very late in October, and so the update actually goes through November. Uh, can I just say
1: I love that though, as someone who loves Halloween, but. Is also distracted because it's also campaign season. Because uh, you know I'm always running for office. Uh, I feel like I can't really appreciate Halloween until like the after the f- first Tuesday of November. So then it, it it this kind of allowed me a chance to really enjoy Halloween uh, throughout the month of November uh, while the rest of the world you know moved on to christmas and and hanukkah and capital insurrections uh i i could enjoy halloween in sea of thieves so i kind of like that the uh, festival of the damned uh, canonically seems to like go like right up to what would now be american thanksgiving
0: yeah and in this sense uh uh, they so they did launch a update in november that uh was just kind of a bug fixing update and a a refresh of the Emporium. And that was the Festival of Plenty, which is Sea of Thieves' version of kind of American Thanksgiving. But even though that update came out and we had new cosmetics that were kind of themed around the Festival of Plenty, the Fate of the Damned was still ongoing, and it actually didn't end until December 9th. So it was like, I, I kind of love that. Like, Halloween ends when I say it ends. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're, you, yeah, uh, you know, is December 9th, is that that is that Pearl Harbor Day? Uh, Or is that... It was the, that John Lennon's death It was the day?
1: day after John Lennon died, so... Oh my god. It was John Lennon's autopsy yeah. day. I don't
0: know. Yeah, so John Lennon's death marks the end of Halloween. Uh, <laughs> that's how we planned the calendar. Um, But, yeah, so there were some new cosmetics in November, but for the most part, the fate of the damned went all the way into December, and then now we're in the holiday season, and there was just a lot of holiday type of stuff going on, and sales, and... Double XP weekends and, and, uh, they kind of started this pattern of doing Twitch drops like every month and they still haven't stopped. Yeah. Um, there's like one, one weekend of, of Twitch drops, which, um, yeah, that's fine. I I don't love the Twitch drops, but I gotta have them.
1: Right. I I think we're on the same page there. Uh, I did like how they did the holiday, um, the the holiday stuff this time around the, you know,
0: Frozen Horizon.
1: No, no, I I liked that uh, because before, like, they had it so you, like, had to log in every day um, to the game. Oh,
0: oh, right. And
1: this time they did it more like their event structure where, no, you just have to uh, complete these objectives or, you know, uh, in a certain amount of time where you didn't have to log in every day because the holidays are are a busy go-go time for people and, you know, maybe we can't all just sit down and, and you know, play Sea of Thieves or just get into the game every day. Maybe we're going to be away from our uh, Xboxes and computers and what have you. So it was a lot more accommodating for uh, adult folk, you know. Who-
0: that was the kind of the 2019 structure was more of a advent calendar where you had to log in every day in, tw- in the uh, for like 12 days of Christmas or whatever. Um, and they didn't do that this year. They had other... Christmassy holiday celebrations, um, but also in the same period was when the S- Xbox Series X Series S launched. Um, although they're kind of like a unicorn, I've never seen one. No, I, yeah, um, no,
1: they don't exist. I'm pretty sure. Uh, now I, I'm going to go squatching for one. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> by the end of the month, I'm going to go into the woods and I I hope to have an encounter. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave out raw meat and just cry, create create yeah. a trail to meat. And I'm gonna have cameras, like, man, it smells uh, grassy night, yeah, n- night vision cameras on it. I'm, I hope I'm gonna finally catch one of those Series X's. Uh, no, a funny thing happened to me. This is completely unrelated to Sea of Thieves. Except I, I mostly use my Xbox to stream uh, the, all the various streaming services and play Sea of Thieves. Uh, my my Xbox One died. I my my first oh. gen Xbox One uh, finally like I I think. It can be fixed, but essentially I, it died during a time when you can't find the new Xbox out there anywhere. So I had to go on eBay and buy another Xbox One in order to have an Xbox, uh, in enough time to, you know, not miss anything with Sea of Thieves and, and get back in the game. Uh, so it was really frustrating. I was like, Oh, okay. My console finally crapped out on me. And I can't even get the new one, so I have to use money to buy the old one again. Uh, it's just really frustrating.
0: Yeah, so they did this kind of promotion, or they're still doing it, I guess, where if you log into the game from a Series X or Series S, you'll automatically unlock a Xbox-themed Sea of Thieves ship uh the issue being that nobody can ha- find a series x or series s so they actually they said something like oh you do it in the launch window you have like four months or something like that and at the end of that window they were like hey we're gonna extend this so you can still get the duke shipset for a while because nobody has an xbox um which i still don't have uh the duke <laughs> ship set but, no yeah.
1: i i don't either what how long do we have now
0: I don't know. That's actually I would have to look that back up. At one at one point I knew, and now I don't. So the because thing is, to me, it shouldn't it should to me it shouldn't uh, it shouldn't be limited time. Just just keep it open forever. If anyone who buys the Series X in a year or two years, they should get the Xbox themed ship. Just let them have it.
1: Right, especially because supply and demand the the demand is greatly outmatching the supply. So. We all want the Duke ship set rare. We just can't find a fucking series Xbox whatever doodad in stores. So uh, it's not like Battletoads where it's like play the new Battletoads and get the, the ship set. Uh, it's, that was easy because we could just download Battletoads. We can't download the new console to our old console. So
0: um, Yeah, so the Festival of Giving is what they kind of call uh the period of time around the holidays yeah. in Sea of Thieves, and so this is uh, this is actually I got, kind of annoys me in my in my weird lizard brain way. Uh is this is the first time they've named an update officially given this update a, a name that is the same as the name of an update that's already existed? Oh, this is they just called this update the Festival of Giving. I'm like, you did that last year. You can't do you. Can, this has to have a new name. Like, they had the Festival of the Damned, and the next year they had the Fort of the Damned, and the next year they had the Fate of the Damned. But with the Festival of Giving, we're just going to call it the Festival of Giving again? I think because- How does they, my
1: brain discern? They saw it worked with Battletoads 2020, and they're like, let's just <laughs> let's just do this. Wait, the new, like, Ex- hey, the new Xbox is called what? Let's
0: just do this. We- nothing matters anymore. We're going to make a new Killer Instinct. We're going to call it Killer Instinct. We're going to make a new Battletoads. We're going to call it Battletoads. What are we gonna call the new perfect dark? I don't know. I, I kind of Seinfelded there and it was an accident. <laughs> you did. But uh I was not trying to. It's early. I'm I'm a little hungover early on a Saturday morning, and that's when I start Seinfelding.
1: The thing um, the thing is, if, if Jerry Seinfeld was like forty years younger and a gamer, this would be the kind of thing he would be greatly irritated by.
0: <laughs> you would. That'd be a whole episode. Um Yeah, so the festival of giving. There's a lot going on throughout this update because it kind of went from December 9th all the way to January 20th, when the season one began. Um, so we're we're almost caught up to what this episode's actually about. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there was a lot, you know. Every holiday they do the gilded voyages every every uh, holiday season. Um, so those are kind of just like a one time gift. Every player can get this voyage that you stash in your voyage inventory and don't use. Uh I think of it a bit like a master ball in Pokemon. It's like you get one master ball during your run of the game, but it's such a good uh it's such a good item that you never use it. Oh, see what, what I did with the time. master
1: ball is I used the Missy no glitch uh to, to get a
0: to get 99. Yeah,
1: no. yeah, yeah. So then so I I've I've been, I've been sailing up and down the coast uh all the coast it's Sea of Thieves look at try trying to replicate it, but I still haven't found a, a, a damn missing note.
0: I've got ninety-nine Gilded Athenas. Uh but uh yeah, there's so the they got the new voyages there, um Gilded Voyages, and then they had the, the kind of the live events. So they just kept the live event train rolling here with uh you brought up the twelve deeds of giving, which unlike the advent calendar type structure of last year, these were just like twelve challenges. Every day unlocked a new challenge. It was like, you know, kill 20, or kill 12 skeletons, kill 11 megalodons. I don't know what they were. I, those aren't the lyrics, but it was like the 12 days of giving thing. It was like 12, do do 12 things, and the next day do 11 things, and the next day do 10 things, and the next day do 9 things. And then, when they're all unlocked, you had all the way to January 20. 20. So it's not like you had one day to do a challenge, you actually had like over a month, but they just took 12 days to all get unlocked, um, which was an interesting kind of structure. And then each each one of those things you did uh, unlocked a cosmetic, so you got 12 rewards. That's kind of nice. Um, and they even put a song. They made a song out of their kind of silly lyrics, and they put it on the YouTube, um, and I think they put it on Spotify, so you can listen to their Christmas song. Check it out.
1: Um. Yeah. Who Who doesn't love to listen to Christmas songs in April? It's like the, <laughs> the 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 weird old grandmas who are obsessed with Christmas and they. Well, you
0: know, you know, they do the kind of Christmas in July. I hate uh, that though, because I'm, like I'm enjoying my summer. I'm enjoying my summer,
1: and I'm like drinking margaritas, and the and like hanging out with Jimmy Buffett as one does during summer, and then and then all these like people in sweaters approach me, and they're like, "It's Christmas in July." I, f-
0: I don't like it because you. the whole thing of Christmas is like, oh, get bundled up warm inside when the world outside looks so dead and dark and scary and and cold. Let's light a bunch of lights and create some warmth. And it's like, I don't need that in summer. I want to be outside. I don't want warmth. Yeah. It's not my thing. But the reason I brought it up is uh, now there is a faction of people trying to take the concept of Christmas in July and apply it to Halloween, and they're making a thing called April Ween. So it's April... But it's Halloween in April and there it's April ween again you can't celebrate Halloween while the world around you is coming alive yeah no I know it's like
1: everything's dewy and and covered in placenta I love spring like I'm a Halloween guy Jeff but spring is my favorite season because I love baby animal molds I love them and <laughs> and I, I'm not in a Halloween mood right now I don't need Halloween right now because I I have the dewy calves and the, the fawn and and, and I, I frolic and I prance with them and it's it's a lovely time but it's like how come when it's Christmas I can't be the asshole running around in a banana hammock say July and December and, and I like launch fireworks at people's faces I'm gonna do it this year Jeff I'm gonna do it I'm inspired <laughs> uh, okay
0: cool so that kind of leads right into the plundered presents uh, event in in uh in that it doesn't at all lead into it, but plundered Presence was another event. Look at that, Segre. So, uh, that was just kind of throughout December. We they they had these rewards for giving your loot to other players and letting them sell it. Um, which is similar to what they did last year. Um, <laughs> we, which we but struggled. that's just kind of the theme. We struggled you know? with this so much. <laughs> Yeah, this is the tricky part. It's like you you there's two kind of general theories. I need to I need someone else to sell my loot. If I give it to them, it doesn't give me an award a reward. They actually have to do, like sell the loot. So there's two theories. You can go after a ship, try to communicate with them and explain, "I want to give you treasure. Now please go sell it." Uh and you know, you'll have a hit and miss with that tactic because when you approach people, they usually take it as an act of aggression um the other kind of option is you could just leave your loot at an outpost ready to be sold and then just hope someone stumbles upon it before it despawns yeah uh-huh it, it's definitely like we
1: we i don't know this is like pulling teeth at times and i think the biggest problem is you know you you, ha- you only have so many people on a server and it's really luck of the draw that one you're going to get somebody who is like completely on board with like the the more altruistic uh like g- g- philosophies of of what an event entails beyond just pew pew I kill you now uh, and, and two finding somebody who actually is informed about what's going on because again a lot of people are just clueless about the basic mechanics of the game let alone the the broader events that are happening week to week
0: yeah i think um and then once in a while and this is this is more rare but once in a while you've got the crew that is actively spiteful to try and Stop your progress. So it's yeah. like, oh, you left all this loot for me to sell. I'm gonna dump it in the ocean, even though that's profit I could have had. I'd rather take away from you and myself. uh You know that that's rare though. I don't want to paint this event like it was this, you know, spiteful event. Uh, but you do run into a player like that every so often.
1: Now, Grant, we didn't have to kidnap any children this time, like we did the prior holiday season yeah where we had to abduct a child
0: christmas we kidnapped a kid and the very next i don't know the lyrics anyway that was fun
1: yeah and just just for any uh concerned uh mothers or authorities listening we we abducted a child in game and we're just assuming they're a child we didn't id them but we well we
0: we put him back (laughs) when we were done
1: <clears throat> Barely had a scratch on them, but yeah, it it, it was it, it was fun. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, I think a better segue from me launching fireworks in people's faces while wearing a banana hammock would be Hogmanay, uh, which which was their New Year's event, which which
0: was a very clever pun.
1: Yeah, it yeah. Well, I I don't think a lot of Americans understood it uh, because uh, Hogmanay is not a thing over here. Unless you're like really into the uh obscure international festivities around the holiday season, this is this is kind of like Scottish New Year with explosions.
0: Yeah, I didn't know what it was, so I was like, Grogmanay, that sounds like a pun, I don't know what it means. So I googled Grogmanay, and the first results are like, Did you mean Hogmanay? Yeah, and I was like, Probably, and then I read it and I was like, Yup,
1: yeah, I uh. The Granted, they could have done something with Hogmanay with, with pigs in the game, but they didn't.
0: But is the real-life Hogmanay have anything to
1: do with pigs? I'm just saying, they, they could have just called it Hogmanay then, and then it would have just had it had it be pig-centric. I don't know. Yeah,
0: like, the challenges could be about blowing up pigs with fire. Um, You've got fire, you've got pigs. This is a, people are like, don't recycle content. And I'm like, hey, but you've never had to blow up pigs before. Right. It's kind of new. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a challenge, a list of challenges that were, like, fire-themed, and, like, uh, you had to defeat skeletons using chests of rage and Ashen Wind's skulls and stuff like that, um, starting in, kind of, January, and kind of to make that task easier, uh, Lorena offered up these, kind of, limited-time voyages throughout the Festival of Giving update, which the, the, um, stash of powder and arms voyages it was just like a voyage where you could go and dig up gunpowders, Chests of Rage, Ashen Wind Skulls, and stuff like that. And uh, so it was like a shortcut. So for, again, it's totally recycling mechanics and things that are already in the game, <clears throat> but for a limited time, <clears throat> excuse me, for a limited time, you had a easy, easy shortcut to get Ashen Wind Skulls and Chests of Rage. So instead of having to go through a whole ashen winds world event battle you could do lorena's voyage and have an ashen wind skull so like for a limited time in the game the game felt different because everyone you run into might have an ashen wind skull and every time you fight skeletons you could easily have an ashen wind skull and go around use which for those who don't know is a flamethrower yeah so like for the month of december and january everybody gets flamethrowers Yes, that's a recycled content, but it's also new and different because we've never had a month where everybody had flamethrowers. So, you know, people need to chill. <laughs> or they need to burn. Hey, hey. Well, speaking of burning and speaking of chilling, there was uh, the Bone Chiller costume in the uh, in the Pirate Emporium, and there was also uh, Frozen Horizon ship set glacial pets like the ice themed cursed pets and they had frozen horizon clothing on twitch drops um so all of these what the reason i'm bringing these cosmetics up is that it was interesting this is like the first time they have done ice frozen themed cosmetics in the game um and the reason i bring it up is that that's just like a really requested an oddly highly requested uh feature people want people want there to be an ice region
1: which is stupid
0: yeah i think that's what the devs think as well <laughs> i think the general idea is uh no pirates don't go to ice regions that would be like in you know, a viking game this is a pirate game uh yeah it's
1: it's like it's like buying uh buying a coke or or a pepsi and then writing uh, Coke or Pepsi, and be like, "Hey, I I really enjoyed this Coke or Pepsi, but I wish it was a Seven a Up or a Sprite." Like, well, wh- why'd you buy? Like, Sea of Thieves, like it, it, aesthetically, Pirates and Pirates of the Caribbean, and and the whole aesthetic is rooted in tropical islands, and. That having an ice region would completely nullify that. I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it myself. But, but I uh, think
0: that where this kind of goes is that it, uh, it, it's the first example of what I think is now a trend, which is things that maybe don't make sense in the world of the game, strict, strictly speaking, uh, are now popping up as cosmetics, it, but they're kind of divorced from the game by one degree because they're just in the pirate emporium Mm -hmm. and they're they're usually things that at at least aesthetically make sense in the world but like you wouldn't have a whole ice themed region but could you have one ice themed outfit sure
1: yeah yeah and like it's it's not unusual for uh, in-game items especially since the emporium uh came in to To reference things outside of the sea of thieves, like you know obviously we had that with the all the rare uh like legacy ships, all the ones that referenced other series um sometimes they did it from a very in sea of thieves context, like the Bear and bird ship set because it referenced the cave art that was already in the game as this you know prophetic thing of this bear and bird who who overthrew a witch. Uh but then you know you've got things like um uh wait, wait, what, what, what was it? Uh the <laughs> Cameo? Yeah, yeah like cameo uh-huh. and, and Viva Pinata. Yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm just thinking of like things that like would then be referenced events outside of the purview of sea of thieves as oh like the state
0: of decay state yeah. of
1: decay that that's definitely one of them yeah where it, it references this what's ostensibly a zombie virus uh on, on an island like outside of the sea outside of the shroud you know um and then you know with this we've got like things like the bone chiller costume which is essentially Krampus a Krampus costume but it's made skeletal to kind of keep it on brand
0: what i love about this the bone chiller thing and it it's a big part of a lot of those heritage cosmetics um is that it the the emporium is kind of uh it's like it's taking th- these so there's a big theme in Sea of Thieves about storytelling, uh, like, in-universe. The characters tell stories, because you're on a pirate ship all the time. So, of course, there's all these tall tales and, and, you know, big, larger-than-life stories, and fables. And so there's this whole thing about fables, and, like, the Emporium is just taking common stories and common legends and making cosmetics out of them. And then there's this implied kind of like, but maybe there's some truth to the story. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, I heard a story about an island of zombie pirates, or I heard a story about an elemental realm full of fairies. And that's cameo. I heard a story about an island of candy creatures. Uh, That's Viva Pinata. And then the bone chiller is this, it's kind of like the Krampus legend, you know, it's like, okay, oh, you know, if you're, if you're a naughty little boy, then there's gonna be a there's a skeleton lord that only comes out on 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 Christmas and and punishes bad kids. Um, I love this idea that the pirate culture, like the culture in this pirate realm, is a bunch of people telling like silly fairy tales, and mm-hmm. then turning those into actual like merchandise, basically, um, cosmetics that you can buy and earn. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a big part of the game that I love. Is that that implied, like, what's the... How much truth is there to the fairy tale is the fun part for me. Like, the, there's the legend of the Saberwolf wolf, wolf and, and it's, like, obviously implied that it's true because we have played Saberwolf. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well,
1: and that's, that's why, that's why see if Thieves, which generally has a more realistic tone than a lot of, like, the older rare stuff, uh, as, you know, especially going into the, their Nintendo years. um. And then early into the, the Microsoft era, you know, it it, it it has a different tone, but you can still, like, m- see how everything fits if you want to look at it from the shared universe perspective. And the way they introduce those elements back into Sea of Thieves is done in a really clever way that I don't think breaks any immersion if, if you're just into Sea of Thieves or Sea of Thieves. Um, Yeah, it's it's very clever
0: and Sea of Thieves is very fantastical in its own ways. Right. um, But I think a big thing they say it's a it's believable, but not realistic. Yes, it's things that would make sense in this world, but they don't have to follow 100% the laws of physics like being able to launch yourself out of a cannon. Kind of is stupid. It doesn't make sense. But it's believable. It's not realistic, but it's believable. And they even um, go
1: out of their way to explain how it's possible in lore. Like... Right. Er- everything has... And it- it's like our bullshit fanon explanations that, you know, we- we've we uh, bandied about since DK Vine has been around. I mean, Sea of Thieves just does it in in-game in in their in-universe expanded materials, so we don't have to do anything. I mean, it, it's Sea of Thieves is really the first time where I don't have to fan-wank anything because they've already wanked it for me.
0: <laughs> it's, yeah, love
1: it. Boy, are their arms tired.
0: <laughs> Brought it back. Uh The last thing I think I wanted to bring up before we talk about... Um, the, the topic of this episode, which is season one, uh, <laughs> and, and it is on that topic of cosmetics. There was one particularly interesting cosmetic. I don't have a lot to say about it, but I adore it. And it is, uh, the figurehead of the first crew, which was added in that, that, uh, festival of giving update. So when they added it, it was the most expensive cosmetic in the game. It was, it's over 3 million gold. It's actually, what is it? It is, uh, 3 million, 2018 gold, which is the date that Sea of Thieves came out, March 20th, 2018. I, I love how they made um, it
1: so expensive just to have that arbitrary reference.
0: Yeah, uh, it-, it draws a lot of like attention to this one standalone cosmetic because it's it's so expensive. But then it's also an Easter egg in the- that the number means something. But then the the cosmetic itself, figurehead of the first crew, is um, it is a an homage uh, to the kind of pill people avatars that were used in the original, like first Sea of Thieves prototype, um, and it is this kind of roughshod. Like I don't know how to describe what it looks like. It's uh, it's just this really crude like um f- model of people of pirates, but they're made out of big round barrels. And then they're painted. Uh, and then so it's like it's like the world's worst artist trying to create a, a statue of a person out of a pile of wood. And then and then people are saying, wow, this is amazing art. I'll pay you three million for it. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, well, again, this is this is sort of like taking something that makes no sense uh, in universe and make like retroactively working your way back to make it make sense. Within the context of Sea of Thieves, so it, it's it's the first time we've seen the Pill People reference in the actual uh like actual version of the game because the Pill People are from the is it uh, Unity the Unity build of the game
0: I, I want to say it was the Unity build before they did the Unreal well prototype.
1: so I I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn I don't know if I'm breaking NDA here uh but I I know that they like there's sort of a simultaneous thing or there was a simultaneous thing going on where they're using a unity build of the game, this prototype build to implement new things, new features before they're putting it in the unreal version, which is the the version everyone can play. I Um, think that's
0: the, uh, that's, that's the story we've been told. Yeah. So they had had two different prototypes
1: and I I got to play the unity build uh, at rare and it's terrible at it. Uh, it, it, I, it was just it's like visually confusing. Uh, and I'm not the world's best gamer anyway. So uh, you might imagine how much I stumbled. Um, but uh, th- this is also the version that has uh, TT in it. TT from off of Diddy Kong Racing. Which we've seen screenshots of that uh, shared by Rare staff. So I can openly say that that was the source of... Uh, you know all the t and c of Thieves stuff and uh still holding out hope uh he's going to make it into the the unreal version but um yeah th- i i love this i'm actually in game right now saving up enough gold cuz i don't want to bankrupt myself right um and i first i wanted to buy all the stuff from the uh buildrat black market uh, because for a while there, like they were adding all this stuff to the build rat black mark, like back when Duke was running it before Lorena took over, and um, I I I just like that that was like really like the hub of like oh you know buy buy this like for for a while like that was where all the like the new monthly hot stuff was going, and then they kind of got away from that uh by the time the Emporium came in, but um. I, I was like, I want to finally like buy all of that stuff. So now I've done that. Now I'm saving up for the, the pill people, first crew figurehead because I have uh, a sentimental attachment to, to that uh, imagery. Um, having seen the build in person and and knowing that it's
0: uh,
1: adjacent to Diddy Kong Racing and I'm a very sad, weird person and, and I'm like, yeah, I want to spend $3 million in in game gold on, on this, so uh, that that's that's my big goal in game now is to earn enough to to not only like be able to afford it, but then to have enough gold left over where I won't feel like a poor person in game.
0: Yeah, and what I love, what I just love about it is like they've captured the aesthetic of the pill people, uh, but done it in a way that is like grounded to Sea of Thieves. So it's like it, they they're instead of it being just a weird amorphous blob. It is a barrel that's been painted. Yeah. So it, yeah, it basically you know it captures the essence of of uh, of what they're trying to evoke, but it's in a very grounded like Sea of Thieves, um, worldly way. Uh, and th- just generally speaking, that's something they do a really good job of. Like, like when they did just another example when they did Halo uh, themed cosmetics from the game Halo. They have a Master Chief themed figurehead, but it wouldn't make sense to put a spaceman in a pirate game. And so instead of him being a spaceman, he's like an ancient Spartan warrior, uh, which is a really clever because Master Chief is called a Spartan in Mm -hmm. the Halo canon. So it's just a really clever way to like, oh, well, we've got a guy with a helmet and a green like armor, but it's not a spaceman. It's a ancient Spartan warrior. So like stuff like that. They do a great job of grounding everything in Sea of Thieves logic.
1: Although I I'm sure there's a contingent of people demanding the space region be added.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, well I, I have actually I have suggested there could be a region that's kind of like a uh a region where there's meteor showers. Yeah. And uh there's like a lot of weird alien like there's a lot of like glowing uh luminescent fungus. Because they came from the meteors. So, sort of and like so that, you have... that
1: place uh, on Dinosaur Planet in Star Fox. Yeah, Moon, Mo- Moon Mountain Pass yeah. or whatever.
0: Uh, that's I, I want a Moon Mountain Pass region. I think even that fits in better to Sea of Thieves than uh,
1: than a Ice region. It's for sure. I mean, especially when you get into like nautical legends of seeing like unexplained phenomena in the sky and you know UFOs or whatever. I mean that that's all part and parcel with uh, the kind of Legends of the era that Sea of Thieves draws upon. So I, I'd be all for that.
0: Well, I think we're caught up. I think we are. The catch up half of the episode.
1: So uh, uh let's talk about seasons. Now, before we do that, though, uh, I we have a call, Jeff. we uh, got a call. Uh, okay. We have a call. And, and I feel like this call will help set the stage for what we discuss when it comes to the new season structure. So I'm going to play this call. And then we can discuss the call, or we can discuss what the call uh, brings brings to the surface, uh, what what it causes to bubble up, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll discuss seasons.
0: Hey, this is G Man Jeff's friend. I was wondering, what is the peak amount of like, how big of an audience can this game get realistically? Like, how old is the limit? How old is the limit? Um, for example, can Jeff's grandfather play this game, or is this game not as accessible to him? Um, yeah, that's kind of my question. Thank you. <laughs>
1: that was G Man's call. Hey, G Man. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, so a- accessibility uh, how big uh, of an audience can See You Thieves get? Um, so, this is kind of. In a weird G-man way, touches upon what I wanted to to bring up as far as Sea of Thieves and, and its reach. Um, so, because Sea of Thieves is obviously, uh, I don't, I don't think I'm I'm fluffing it at all here when I say Sea of Thieves is Rare's biggest game in decades. I mean, Viva Pinata was big. Even Connect, the Connect sports games, the early Kinect sports games were It's big. not even
0: close. But it's not it's, even close. It's, it's out of the stratosphere. And I, I would go to bat with anyone and, and actually full hog say it's their most successful game of all time. Hold uh, on. For, for because, going full
1: hog, let me get the explosives so we can blow them up <laughs> properly.
0: But that's because I like to start shit. Uh, <laughs> you know, Donkey Kong Country didn't have 20 million players. So, you know. I, I
1: think, like... There is there is this disconnect. Uh, and it's really felt by me. Um, and, oh, poor woe is me. Uh, as somebody who runs a website called DK Vine, right? And I I feel like I am sort of between two worlds. And I feel like I am uh, kind of master of nothing right now when it comes to Sea of Thieves. Because... Uh, we've got this, the, like maybe arguably the biggest rare game of all time at this point. Uh, a game that's just uh, a complete off the chart success has has kind of changed the way we perceive rare standing within Xbox, and and you know now now you know rare is no longer the outsider at Xbox, and you know you can make the argument they really weren't back when they were developing the avatars for them, or you know they were doing Kinect Sports. Uh, or, or this or that, but I think now Rare is making games that are that have that rare spirit, but they're doing it in a way that makes them not at odds with, with Xbox. And and, and grant Xbox is completely different than the Xbox of the uh, early era, the 360 era, or even the early Xbox One era. I mean, uh, under Phil Spencer, I would argue that Xbox is more in line with what I would always want a video game company to be. And um, it's kind of diversified. Its lineup is uh, more inclusive to all sorts of gamers. And it's no longer the Dude Bro system. It's definitely... Even shit they're doing, like... um, Backwards compatibility, uh, you know... Having, you know, you, you can now stream Banjo Kazooie on your phone. Um, it, it there's just they're, they're doing all sorts of stuff that Sony and Nintendo aren't. And I, I am a big Xbox fan now. Never thought I would get to that point where I was an Xbox fan and not just a reluctant Xbox owner because of Rare, but here I am. Um, but you know. You've you've got Sea of Thieves, right? Uh, this this big pillar of Xbox now, uh, and now rare is this big pillar of Xbox, and, like we always wanted it to be? And so they they brought in this whole new audience for Sea of Thieves. Meanwhile, you've got this this older audience of like rare fans who got into Rare because of their Nintendo years. And that's essentially like the crowd that's always followed DK Vine. So whenever I talk about Sea of Thieves, whether it's on the conversation or on social media or we just stream it every week, there is this visible disinterest from that crowd. And they're like, why are you talking about Sea of Thieves? And meanwhile, I'm DK Vine. So the Sea of Thieves crowd isn't really that interested in DK Vine. So I feel like I'm just kind of stuck in this void (laughs) between the two. And, And I want to talk about Sea of Thieves because it's Rare's biggest game in forever. And it's a game I absolutely adore. And I feel like it's a game that really does fit with the shit we love at DK Vine. It not only is it, you know, a part of that shared universe, but it's about pirates and sailing tropical islands and bananas and barrels and monkeys. And it it's got that great Greg Malesian design philosophy that we adore. And it, it, you know awesome Robin Beanland soundtrack. And it's just it just ex- like oozing uh all of this like classic stuff that we adore. And yet it's like pulling teeth, getting people uh, of a certain vintage interested in it. And when I bring it up, uh, a lot of times what I've heard is, well, I'm just not a big like co-op player. I, I like playing by myself. I don't want to have to play with friends. And that barrier of like, we're going on a seven hour voyage is too much for me. And so I'm just, I, I have no interest in that. And at least that argument I could kind of get, right? Like, I, I'm not going to shame anybody for not f- having interest in Sea of Thieves or if they tried Sea of Thieves. It's just not their area of, like, interest. They just didn't click for them, whatever. I, I, I understand. Like, I, I the fact that I can pull a crew of friends from around the world every week to play with me uh, it is a privilege uh, that I'm, you know, if not everybody can manage that. I don't want to shame them about it and I can definitely get, it's more fun to play with friends. It just is. Um, It's for me, sea of thieves is a great hangout game. I get to hang out with my friends on a boat, uh, hanging out in rare shared universe in, in, in a world that's, you know, I've, I've loved since 1994 uh it's it's great i mean of course i'm going to love this game of course this game is going to be one of my all time favorites but that that barrier to entrance um uh, to enjoy the game uh, it is steep if you if you don't have friends and part of that is the game's uh classic structure is you know you're gonna go on these long voyages, you can tick off commendations, and it's not it's never really been that friendly to people who might just want to you know jump in for 15 minutes to an hour uh, on a sloop and, and you know do one or two things and then log off. And I feel like now it is. I feel like Seasons has completely revitalized the way anybody can enjoy Sea of Thieves. A- including me, and we'll get into
0: that. Like, And including Jeff's grandpa, getting back to... Because I don't want G-Man to think we're not answering his question, because we are.
1: No, I, this was all just a long, this, winding this setup to of talk about answer. your grandpa, Jeff. Don't worry. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So, I, I agree with you. What you're starting to get back to is um, how the seasons uh, make that short play session or make a solo play session uh more palatable, more profitable, more meaningful be and and just I think it's the freedom. I and and so I I think maybe before we fully answer that, we should talk about what the seasons are, what they've introduced to the game, how they've changed the game, and then we c- it'll kind of lead into well, how does that make it more accessible to more different kinds of play styles and sizes of play sessions? and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's seasons launched in January and uh, we just wrapped up season one, but the, what, what is it? it it's, it's two things happening simultaneously. First, it's just a, a drastic kind of reworking of their development cycle of when do we expect new content? Uh, you know, instead of the, the, if they've been on this monthly format for a while, we have a monthly update and they've been trying to get out new features every month and then kind of, sort of failing at that at once in a while and in kind of having some empty months and then maybe some feature some months they have a small new feature some months they have a really big new feature and so uh and and really they've they've just been kind of laying down the railroad tracks right in front of themselves as they're going right as they're say the minecart tracks keep it a little dku or tracky uh,
1: train that sounds very much like tracky train
0: Yeah, well, uh, sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, But this is a new development cycle where you've got these three-month seasons. And at the launch of the season is the kind of headline event of new features. And so now we know when to expect the new features. New features are coming at the launch of a season, and then there's a bit more buffer development time where uh, the months in between... You're still going to have a monthly update, um, like in terms of having a patch to the game and, and maybe some tweaks and new things going on, but it's not really those big headline features. So you get that big headline features at the at the uh, launch of a season, and then the next month you've got kind of a quality of life tweaking, bug fixing, new cosmetic introducing update that, you know, it'll bring in maybe a new live event just to mix things up. And give you some incentives and 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 push you in some directions but for the most part it's it's the you've got like a, a real update every three months now and small keeping things fresh updates in between um and so that is the the basis of of the seasons in terms of how it's going to change the cadence of of how the game works but then on top of that it's it's so much more than that because they it's a entirely new progression system and this is really what what we like about it and it's um so ev- every three months you have a season progression track you've got so normally in the game you have progression through uh, trading companies you earn reputation which is like your experience points and you level up. And there's a level maximum. And so it's like once I hit level 50 in uh, numerous companies, I can become a pirate legend. I can start leveling up a kind of endgame faction. And then, you know, some of those factions that I can level up will go beyond 50. But there still is a max where you can get maxed out. I'm maxed out on yep. those factions. It, it happens. Yep. Um, and that's kind of like they, they can extend the level cap, add new things to do and be like, oh, well, now the gold hoarders go up to level 100 now or something. But that's like delaying a problem of the fact that those progression systems are finite. Uh, having this seasonal structure al- allows a uh, an infinite amount of progression because you level up to level one hundred each season, and then you get to start from scratch. Yeah, and and so and what that does for you is you have a hundred levels, a hundred rewards as you level up every every level. You get a reward. So now you're feeling more rewarded. You're actually getting, like, uh, cosmetics and, and things for your time more frequently. And uh, and then if you max out that level, when the new season starts, you can do it all again. You're never, like, finished in a way that the other factions can kind of make you feel like, well, I'm finished and I don't want to do this anymore. Um, this will make you feel like, no, I feel I feel rewarded and I feel excited to level up. Um, so there's that, and, and then the way that you level up is different. That's a big part of it, too, because in a trading company, say the Gold Hoarders, which is a company that rewards you for getting treasure chests and gold, uh, you go on a quest to get a treasure chest, you don't get any experience points until you bring back the treasure chest and deliver it to the company. Um... Which is like the core gameplay loop. You know, go to a location, get a treasure, bring it back, and do that loop over and over and over in different, in different unique ways. Um, the problem with that loop that I think can put some people off is that it is the uh, possibility of loss of progress. I can do work to get the treasure, but I uh, don't earn anything until I deliver the treasure... And that is where you get the opportunity for piracy and thievery, which is the game. That's the name of the it's game. The, it's the game. And, and it would be boring without that, without the kind of tension and, and threat of loss and, and how that motivates you to either take higher risks or play more safe and things like that. So that's important, but it's mitigated a bit by the season progress, which is totally different, which basically just rewards you for playing. It rewards you for play time, really. Because it's like, every action you do gives you the experience points, rather than just that end of session, we made it back with the treasure and delivered it moment. If you fail to get to that moment, if you get sunk by a Kraken or another player and you lose all your treasure, you used to feel like, man, I just lost like two hours or three hours of work, and I got nothing to show for it. Now, you don't feel that way, because uh, sailing nautical miles, killing skeletons, digging up treasure, um, completing f- uh, steps on a voyage, all of those things earn you season progress, which is called renown. Um, so it's totally different feel, and, it, and you, you still have both forms of progression. You still, have, uh, you still have that fear of losing your treasure, but it's, um, it's mitigated by this other track where you're still always making progress.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and as someone who likes, I have a, I have a very silly way of, of playing or uh, rather I've always wanted to play in a sillier way than the game uh, accommodated me. So like for a while there, the biggest problem for Sea of Thieves was this grind of, we have these these time limit accommodations we have to get through. So the the focus for the next few weeks has to be these things A, B, and C. And, and even though we had rather be doing this, you know, we have to focus on this. Um, and with the progression system, with renown, with 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 um. And there, there, there's trials, but we'll we'll get into that. But it none of it is really necessary. Like you, you don't need to do A, B, and C in order to get renown. You get renown for doing anything. So s- sailing a little bit, you get renown. Stepping foot on an island, you get renown. Fighting ambient skellies, you get renown. So really, you do anything in the game beyond just stand still at an outpost, and you get renown. So the game is constantly rewarding you for playing it, for exploring, for for living and breathing this game world. And all of a sudden, I feel like everything I do, no matter how silly and inconsequential to the grander narrative, it feels like there's weight behind it. It feels like I'm not wasting time. So I can just log in, and I can do a couple things and i feel like it was worthwhile not just for my own enjoyment or amusement but for the larger goals of progression
0: yeah exactly so i think that feeding into the idea of making the game more accessible to players um that's kind of the angle you're you're approaching with it which is yeah. true and we we'll, and, and you could elaborate on that but i also think uh, i want to i want to make it clear this is not something that is just going to motivate uh players who felt like oh I wasn't motivated by the old way of play style and I and it'll bring in a new player. This is this is a new form of motivation for all players, veterans sure. like you and me for, and but also new players that maybe uh this will change the way they think about how they play the game. And so yeah, I think that this is a game changer for most people and uh it it, 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 for me, a huge part of it is um, the freedom to repeat stuff that you've already done and feel like it was worth your time. Because yeah. there's a there's a bit of a like once you've completed a commendation, it's maybe not a good use of your time to do that thing when there's another task you could be doing where you haven't completed the 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 commendation and and, uh, and especially if that task doesn't reward you the most treasure compared to other tasks so yeah you've got you know the burning blade ghost ships and you've got ashen winds and they reward so much treasure and you've got emissary flags and it's like well if i want to be efficient and, and min max this i really should be doing those kinds of activities that can get me a lot of treasure and raise my emissary grade and there's really no reason to do a tall tale for example you, you, might, you might come to that conclusion that I like doing Tall Tales, but the game isn't really rewarding me enough for my time if I do a Tall Tale. Well, now I, f- I feel like the season system has just changed the way I think about everything yeah. because uh, I love doing Tall Tales, and now I feel like it's actually worth my time to go out of my way. And it, it, to your point about being able to spend time solo and feel rewarded, uh, in the past, playing solo, the game doesn't make it easy to be, you know, the game is harder when you're solo. If you don't have the, you know, friends that are around and want to play with you, it's harder. And there's a lot of tasks you really just can't do efficiently solo that like, oh, yeah, I could go try and do a ghost ship battle. I'll probably get sunk and it'll take me 10 times longer than it would take a Galleon crew. And in that time, another crew might come along and sink me. So, you know, I you might come to the conclusion you can't play the game at all. But that's not true. There's a lot of things you can do. It just never felt quite rewarding in the past. And now it does. I have been playing the season and like I would log in solo just to go on a fishing trip or just to do like one chapter of a tall tale. I would, yeah. I would load in the game and find out what outpost am I at and then be like, oh, uh, the outpost I'm at is the closest to this tall tale. I could talk to Madame Olivia and start up that tall tale. So I'm already here. I'll start it. And it's just a reason to get sailing. And then I'll go and do like the first chapter. And because Tall Tales have checkpoints now, I could play for half an hour, get one checkpoint, and then quit. And then I could pick up that checkpoint anytime later on another half an hour solo session. Um, if I lose all my treasure along the way, it doesn't matter because I got season renown along the way. If I... Uh, if I'm just doing one chapter of a tall tale and not earning any treasure by doing so, it doesn't matter because everything you do on that tall tale earns you renown. So that's the huge change for me is like these little activities that I'd like to do, but, uh, maybe didn't have enough push or motivation to feel like it was worth it. Now I'm like, Oh, uh, I can do tall tales solo just because I like to hop in the game and sail around. And I see that ticker going up and I'm leveling up the season and I actually, I think I, I leveled up to level 100 in, in, uh, in February. So like halfway through the season and I almost made it to level 100 in the insiders build of sea of thieves on my separate account because of how much I play that as well. And, uh, yeah, it just, it just well, we'll, totally changes the way I play it.
1: We'll we'll discuss how you got to level one hundred here. <laughs> like what <laughs> what pushed you over the edge.
0: So yeah, I you know, I, I just think that uh having this kind of ever present almost like a carrot on a stick, but not like I feel like peop I feel like people talk about these things sometimes in a negative way. Like, oh, it's just like this arbitrary carrot on a stick. But um to me it doesn't feel that way to me. It actually just feels very pleasant and rewarding. Um, no, to yeah. have this layer onto what I'm already been doing.
1: Absolutely, because you know the the, the old stuff like old commendations uh, or the um, trading companies ranking up with them or or ranking up with uh, Athena's fortune when you're a pirate legend. That's all still in there. That's all still stuff you can work towards. But now you have this kind of broader stuff that feels like the culmination of a lot of the things they were doing, like um out outside of the game to kind of spur interest. And when I say outside of the game, I mean like the events that used to be on the website and they're still doing with the event tabs in the game, but things like the summer Sea of Thebes from last summer, where they right. last August, where they were really like uh here's all these what, what they're they're now deeds I guess but here are all these things you can do if you get if you get all of them in this category you get a title and if you get all of the stuff uh you're you know you you're the legend of the sun that's the ultimate title you got from that which is what the the title my pirate wears but um for for me, like it brings me back to when the game was brand new. And when I say when the game was brand new, I mean when it was still the technical alpha. When it was, I just want to explore this world. I want to look at all these pretty islands that, that Rare's team crafted. I want to just kind of uh, explore this rock. Uh, I, I just want to try to see if I can climb it. it. It makes me feel silly again, Jeff. It makes me feel like a silly man frolicking with those those dewy deer uh in in the meadow and and it makes everything feel like spring is what i'm trying to say none of this uh springy ween stuff uh i mean i guess there's a little bit of that since there's spooky skeletons running around but uh, it, it really does make me feel like anything i do in the game including just uh, my my goofy way of playing, where I'm just exploring the game world and and not worrying about PvP or or going pew pew, you're dead towards other pirates. It makes me feel like I'm being rewarded for how I want to play it. And the the old tagline of you know be the pirate you want to be. It's never felt more true now with Sea of Thieves and this the season system.
0: Right. So getting into kind of G Man's question of uh how broad of an audience can sea of thieves have could my grandpa play it um in theory i would say yes and i would wager there are thousands of grandpas that play sea of thieves um <laughs> but in and i think that it, even before seasons that this has been a, a strength of sea of thieves that going back to the beginning like the core format of it a lot of the design decisions uh, there's no power progression and and um kind of the intuitive UI, the the kind of immersive design principles, all these things uh, have come together to make this, like, very strong basis of, of, uh, like, this could be your first multiplayer game. Mm -hmm. And so many multiplayer games are so steeped in a kind of iterative culture that, like, oh we made a new multiplayer game that's an improvement of the last multiplayer game and that was an improvement of of this other one and and, and we've just been iterating for 20 years and if you have never played a multiplayer game uh, we take for granted that you can get into this these systems these complex layers of systems and uh see if these doesn't take any of that for granted it very much um can be anyone's first multiplayer game uh but you know and i think that seasons just helps it just it just takes that even further uh because of all the reasons we've already said and it's just like um it it brings the sandbox back to the sandbox game it no longer feels like yes you have this big world where you have so many things you can choose to do but most of the time you're pretty focused on a thing uh and now it feels like no if you want to play how you want to play we're going to reward you we're not going to have like these focused rewards that are going to drive you to play a specific way though. They still have stuff like that to keep, you know, mix things up with the, with the events. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about those in a minute, but I, I think they've done a good job of balancing how many weeks are we focused on an event and how many weeks do we have free to do whatever we want? Yeah. Yeah. It's been huge. Um, that, but I just think, yeah, that's, 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 that's been, been like huge.
1: the answer to, I think, one of the legitimate gripes I had, and it was a jokey gripe, but it was there's too much stuff to do in See of Thieves. There's too
0: much content. See of Thieves has too much content. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and you know, which is just our our became a kind of our jokey response to the the early criticisms of the game, where you know, no man see lol. Um, but it really did become a little bit of a, a, a troublesome quirk where you know the game kept. Having all this stuff that we're supposedly, you know, we're focused on, and as you know, I, I'm more of a completionist than I think you are, Jeff. You've you've kind of attained this Zen-like philosophy towards the game, where I'm like, no, I gotta get this time-limited accommodation. I know I need this title. Nah. Uh, that that's the the curse that Cameron and I are still under, but. um you know we we're focused on that and then we're focused on that but we would really rather be doing this thing that they introduced 2 months ago that we only got to experience for a week or two and and, and now it's so much more balanced and we still have a little bit there like oh i want to get this time limited weapon with this event uh got to kill so but many to, skellies
0: but to me it feels it feels less like uh, I feel like I'm grinding and it feels more like the game is doing a healthy balance of yes. giving me an incentive to focus on a task f- for, for some time and then other times letting me have no incentive and do whatever I want. Because yeah. I do like having that incentive to say like, oh, here's the Vault Raiders event. Go back and do some treasure vaults. And I'm like, cool. Maybe I wouldn't have done treasure vaults if you didn't tell me to but I like treasure vaults, and I haven't done them in a while. So thanks for giving me that push. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it's it's staggered in a way now that there's still elements of that which I argue, like you do, that they're good. It's good to have that. But then you also have those down weeks where just do whatever, have fun, go nuts, and because the season progression system is in place, uh, it's sort of just trust gamers to do that. And they don't need to constantly be throwing stuff at your face. So, those, those contrarians online were like, when are you going to add new content? Ah. Uh, you, there's none of that. I mean, it, it's, I, I think this is the most balanced the game has ever be- been between uh, adding new stuff, holding your hand, making you like grind out. Uh, certain things to get these time limited things and also just giving you free reign to do whatever you want I feel like it's a healthy balance at long last it's been a long time getting here but they've achieved it
0: right now I just hope that they can maintain that balance and not go too far <laughs> right in one direction or the other but uh, but on that topic you did bring up the summer of Sea of Thieves which I do think is kind of the proto uh, the the proto season yeah Uh, And and, and season zero, there's there's so much about how they've implemented season one that is better (laughs) than than the basis they laid down with the summer of Sea of Thieves. You can see how that kind of events team that was kind of pushing engagement and creating these little like, you know, the events are kind of structured around go back and do things that already exist that we can that we already know how to track rather than adding in a brand new feature like a Build Right event. Um, But you can see how that's evolved over the past year to get to what a season is. And uh, I think a a core of the season that evolved out of that is called Trials. Um, So Trials is an objective checklist. It's a list of challenges that comes with every season. And it's dozens. It's actually over 100 little deeds you can complete. And um, they range from easy to medium to, to hard, and they reward you renown. So you, you'll level up faster if you're doing uh, a trial. You'll get a bunch of a bit of a renown for that. Uh, but wh- where it's different from the, the Summer of Sea of Thieves was where the point of the Summer of Sea of Thieves was complete the challenges. And because of that, it dictated how you played. You didn't have freedom. Uh, and you didn't have flexibility either there There have been some events that have given you total flexibility of uh you need to earn like a hundred points, so to speak, but you can earn those points in these various ways, and you can choose to do those tasks in whatever order or whatever quantity you want to mm-hmm. get to the points. The summer of Sea of thieves didn't do that it was no these are the challenges, and you have to complete them, and yeah. there's no flexibility. Trials are the opposite. Trials are a long list of challenges that give you renown for completing them. But that's all they give you. There's no title, there's no cosmetic, there's nothing in the game that says you have to check off all these boxes. And because of that, um, they just act as an optional little push. They're like, you know, if I log in to, and I this is how I played the early in the season, before I kind of got maxed out in the levels, was like, oh, I log into the game and I just want to be in the game for the next 45 minutes and I don't really know what I'm going to do. Let me look at the list of trials and see, like, maybe there's something easy I could tick off and go go make progress on. And you can do that or you can ignore it. That's the, the beauty of it. It's flexible. There's it freedom to it. And I think they took a lesson of we want to add in some incentive to push players back towards certain old tasks. Yeah. Like tall tales, like skeleton thrones, like beacons and lanterns and things that maybe just get ignored 99% of the time. And they're they're like, we're going to put in this thing. It's going to push people. uh, It's going to give people a reason to say, oh, I'll go do that. But it can just as easily be ignored. It's not dictating how you play or drastically changing everyone's play style, um, which I think is important. I think it's important to have a light touch and not come in and say, "Okay, this week, everybody has to do the four to the damn 20 times or else you miss out. Because yeah, you, that, you, you, that you, takes the sandbox. There's no freedom. If it's no freedom, it's not a sandbox.
1: You, you have to, you have to fire yourself out of a cannon onto the deck of another ship in arena 20 times or else we delete your game. Like none of that. <laughs> it, it's, and it, trust me, like I wear, I will never probably part with that summer of Sea of Thieves title unless like they have like, I don't know, like, uh, TT's best friend or something as a title, uh, because I worked so hard for that and it, there was so much misery involved with that. And the, like, I, I wear that, but I also, uh, I, I love that event because I completed that event, but I hate that event because of what it put me through. So this is the complete opposite of that. It's, it's here if you want it. It'll help your progression, but you, there's, there's no, like, Time limited, anything attached to it. When the reset happens, there'll be no record of you not completing this. And you know, that's that's the difference between deeds and the Summer of Sea of Thieves. And it's it's a healthy, refreshing difference.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and 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 what I think is great about it is that um, it puts a little visibility on things that aren't being engaged with. So if you're a new player and you never experienced skeleton thrones before, which would probably be the vast majority of people playing the game, uh, considering how much the audience has grown and how long ago the skeleton thrones were, um, it puts a little visibility because if you're just scrolling through those trials and it says, sit on the skeleton throne at at Thieves Haven and you're going to read that and you're going to say, well, what is that? I don't know what that is, but I know where Thieves Haven is. I'll go check it out. And if you find that throne and you sit in it, you're going to feel good. Um, and maybe you just ignore it. That's fine. Like, there's some people complaining that, like, I don't want to be told to sit in the skeleton thrones again now that I've done them four different times over the course of three years or whatever. And it's like, then don't. You don't, you don't have to complete every trial. Um, but if you're a new player, it puts a little visibility on it. And then there's actually a reason to do it. You can yeah. sit on the throne and you'll earn some season progress. And now that stuff that they've put effort into adding to the game can have a persistent, rep, rep, uh, repetitive value. Putting in amount of work to create a feature that has a one-time value is not a good use of time in a living game. You want features to be things people can engage with more than once. And, for example, Tall Tale's. Some people are burnt out on the Tall Tales. They've said, "I hey, I did it five times in a row. in you know I did all nine tales five times in two weeks so I could get the gold curse. <laughs> and now I don't ever want to do a Tall Tale. That's fine. But there are other players who just really enjoy the Tall Tales that it fits their lifestyle, their playstyle better. And now it's like, hey, you can be rewarded for doing that every season if you want to.
1: And that's why I'm really... I, that, that's why I've really like framed this episode and, and from my standpoint as a pitch to that segment of the, the rare fandom that hasn't come on board with Sea of Thieves because I feel like now there really is this opening that the game is more accommodating for however you want to play it, whatever interests you, it's in Sea of Thieves and, and now the game is going to reward you for it. So, like, I, I don't know, yeah. like, I, I feel like there, there's this idea that Sea of Thieves is this PvP heavy game, and certainly that's what attracts the crowds on Twitch, you know, the people who want, want to watch the streams where you're, you're hiding on people's ship and you go pew pew, you're dead, explosion, you know, that, that's certainly part of the game, but that's not just the game. And the game is really whatever you want it to be.
0: Exactly. And, and, and
1: now the game is acknowledging that.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, th- there's still going to be put-offs uh, for people who, just depending on your taste, I think that um, there are people that are just going to be put-off by existing in a shared world where they might have a negative interaction with another person. There's ways to mitigate that. Like, you can mute other people so you don't have to hear anyone trash-talk. Um, if if that you know, is is a, is a trigger for you, uh, you can, but I think a big part of it has been in the past, uh, I don't want to say it, it summarizes as get good, but a, a, a big part of the Sea of Thieves core is learning from your mistakes, like learning what went wrong there, how can I avoid it the next time? Yeah. And that is a bit of an old-school game philosophy. That's like, a, you don't necessarily see that a lot, and it can th- th- put people off. They say, I don't want to have a bad time. And this is a game that says, oh, sometimes you're going to have a bad time, and then y- it's on you to learn what did you do wrong. Uh, if you don't want to get attacked and sunk, uh, then you either need to learn how do I avoid a fight, like how am I going to have a better awareness and visibility because I rarely get into a fight. I know where every other ship is at. I am watching the horizons. I know where every ship is at. I vaguely can figure out what they're up to. And so I can be like, oh, let's take the long way around and avoid this and not catch their eye line." Or like if they're coming at you, if they do come for you, then it's you need to learn how to run, how to avoid, how to escape. uh, Or you need to learn how to defend yourself. If I do get into a fight, am I, you know, can I... Fight them off. Can I survive? Can I, whatever. All of those things, it's like the game is like, no, you you can get your butt kicked and yeah. then you can get better at the game. That's such an old school thing. But I feel like the season model takes a lot of the pressure off because if something goes wrong, you have a, a lot more of a propensity to laugh it off.
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like really the only time during season one where it's like, we we encountered something going spectacularly wrong and we it like it was a it was a setback. You know, I it might have been a crew attacking us or something, I don't really remember, or it might have just been uh chicanery with like a a Meg bit us and we were all off the ship and we sunk or something. Um, we had a I,
0: moment where we had a moment where all four of us are lined up on one, two, three, four cannons. The Megalodon bites right into our face on that side of the ship because we couldn't see where it was because of the the cannon flare creating oh, all this oh right smoke.
1: that was the cannon flare the damn cannon flare and the megalodon
0: it bites that spot and all four of us die <laughs> and so we're waiting to be revived I'm like I'm down I'm on the deck someone revive me and then Cameron says I can't revive you I'm dead and I already knew that because as you're panning the camera out I can see his ghost but I'm like Okay, but maybe Hyle or Briegel. And Briegel's like, well, I'm dead. And Hyle's like, I'm dead too. And then we all go to the ferry and we come back to a sunk ship because the Meg in one bite killed all four of us, Yeah, which has never happened to me. That was awesome. Like, but, that's yeah. my point is you laugh it off. It's just we like, laughed that it off. It, it, it was
1: funny because, it, yeah, it was a setback, but it wasn't a complete loss. And we still made progress. You, know, We still, like, the... the so that that's the biggest thing is you're never wasting your time playing Sea of Thieves. Yeah, you might have a bad time. You might encounter something that, you know, it it it, it completely upends what you're trying to do, but at the end of the day, you're still going to have made progress. You're still going to have been rewarded for your time spent beyond just the camaraderie you might have experienced with your friends or whatever.
0: Well, personally I find that adversity makes the triumphant moments better like that's the whole point you got to you feel all these emotions the wheel of emotions right it's the wheel and- of emotions right so it, the game wouldn't be nearly as good if you didn't have anxiety balanced with uh triumph balanced with loss balanced with surprise you know all of these things and and so it's like you have to have that risk of danger then you have to have that oh shit is this happening? What are they going to do? What am I going to do? And then you have to have that like, ah, I, did, I made the clutch move and it saved the day. Or like, oh, we lost it all. And maybe if I'd have done di- this differently, it would have gone different. But maybe we come back and we get our revenge. And like all of these different kinds of stories hinge on the possibility of the negative feeling that then feeds into the high, the highs of the positive feelings.
1: See, so if is a lot like life. It, you know, you're, you're going to have your good days, you're going to have your bad days, but you're always wearing a frilly shirt.
0: It's, it's just like that, yeah. Uh, and boy are my arms tired. Um, so that's kind of the high-level gist. That's what a season brings to the game. That's really what we mostly wanted to talk about. Um, and we won't really have to summarize, we won't have to talk about that again in the future season episodes, because... We've laid down, this is what it's like, this is how the game's changed now, and this is the new status quo going forward. But, that being said, that is what all seasons are about. That's, like, the new thing. But what was Season 1 specifically about? Um, We kind of need to... We need to uh, summarize that as well, otherwise this wouldn't be a Season 1 episode, you know what I mean?
1: So, uh, yes, what was Season 1 about? Well... Uh, your, your pirate discovers he has cancer and he's like, well, I'm going to have to make some money before I die to leave my family. So you, you go on a ride along with your brother-in-law, uh, who's a cop DEA agent. Oh wait, that's breaking bad. What am I, what am I season one of sea of thieves? Oh, okay. Uh, something about, uh, shipwrecks, right?
0: I was so lost. I was like, what is he? Cancer? What? 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 A weird, random poll to say that we have cancer. I, then, I, then I got it. Then I got it, and I was like, "Oh, it's it's dumb." Uh, yeah. So, like I said, the the season starts with kind of the headlining features in these first, this first season, these first couple seasons. I think they're still getting their bearings in terms of the development cycle. Uh, now that they got away from monthly vo- uh, updates, and they're kind of working on big features, and they have the freedom to work on big features that will take many months. And so I feel like they're building up the, to the bigger things. I mean, I know Uh they are, uh, but we still get, we still got some stuff. We still got some, some new features. And and in season one, it mainly was lost shipment voyages, which are a new kind of merchant Alliance voyage. Um, which we did. I, I feel like we did quite a bit of the first kind of month of the season. Right. But, um, so, these are cool to me just because uh, it feels very different than other merchant voyages. Other, you know, we have a number of them now. There's, um, there's like the regular, the original voyage is like, go find a chicken, go find a pig, go find a snake and a gunpowder barrel. Uh, those are ones, and then they had the cargo runs, which is go to this location, pick up the cargo, go to this other location, sell the cargo and then the challenge was just that in the car- the cargo had fragility and attributes that you had to you know balance like don't break the rum bottles don't get right. the cloth wet um uh, but it's still very much a go to point a then go to point b fetch quest the shipment voyage is different because um it doesn't feel like hey go here and grab a thing and go there and deliver it it is you kind of feel like a detective i feel like and i've had three different people i played these with when they were new on three different occasions, say it felt almost like they were on a tall tale. Because yeah. of a, a bit of a story infusion into it, you know what I mean? And dialogue and, and text.
1: Um, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely get, get that vibe. For me, it makes the merchant um, a merchant voyage. It the, the biggest problem with merchant voyages is there there's always been this, like lack of of tactile excitement when it comes to merchant voyages and it they they can be interesting they can be fun but at the end of the day you're still just hauling plants or um you know catching uh, a chicken okay, yeah i got to feed this pig a banana uh it's, it's like a like a damn tamagotchi on on my ship but it, i mean when you when you compare that to i'm going to like Smash some skeleton people, or i 'm going to look for treasure uh, It always just feels like the dollar of the three and so I think what this does is it provides some excitement to what are like ordinarily the very buttoned up stodgy merchant voyages where no we're going we 're going to be diving into shipwrecks. Uh, and, and we're going to be having uh, our, our Merchant Voyage that way. Uh, it, it's definitely a shot in the arm for the whole trading company. Uh, and it, finally, there, there's, a, I think, a more thrilling option to level up in, in the Merchant Alliance.
0: Yeah, a big thing over the past year has been they they expanded the level cap on those three companies from from level 50 all the way to 75. But then over the course of the year, they've added in a new kind of voyage for each company. And uh, even though we we can't experience this aspect of it, uh, but the aspect of it that I like the most, in theory, is that you can't go on that voyage until you hit level 25. So it adds this... And, and the reason we can't experience that is because we've been over level 25 for ages. Yeah. Um. But what it gets, adds this cool progression feel to getting in the game starting on your journey, doing those kind of what we just described are the duller voyages, the, the chicken voyage, the cargo run voyage. And then as you level up, you get level 15. Now you can be an emissary if you want. And then that adds a whole new layer. And then you get to level 25. Now you have a new better voyage, which for Order of Souls was ghost ships. For for, for Gold Hoarders is, is the treasure vaults of the ancients. And now we have lost shipment voyages for Merchant's Alliance. And those are like... They give you a map that shows the route a ship took, and that ship went missing, and it, and we need to go find the shipwreck and deliver the manifest, the ship's manifest, back to the merchants. But that's like that's like the the through the the most basic through line. You could go go to the end, look for a shipwreck, find it, get the manifest, and that's it. But there's the optional and much more profitable kind of side quest, which is along that route, you're looking for debris. And if you find the debris marked by the seagulls and you search the debris, not only are you finding some treasure in those uh, floating, you know, wreckage, you also find clues, like a written note from the pirates. And they're like, oh, we, we did this and then we stopped at this island. And then that's a clue. And you're like, hey, I'll go to that island. I'll find another clue. And that clue is like, hey, we were hanging around K3 on the map and we saw a Megalodon. Ah! So you go to K3, you find another clue. And in those debris, you, could, you will eventually find uh, a key. Yeah. And the key opens a lock on the shipwreck to a hidden kind of uh, stash of a ton of treasure, of merchant cargo, um, which... Yeah, I mean, like I said, it kind of feels a little bit like you're a detective. It feels a little bit more story-heavy. Uh, and, it, yeah, it's just a lot more interesting than the other Merchant Void is.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I want to do more of them. I feel like I've only um, scratched the itch just a bit. I I feel like once, like, they're in the game, and I had the same problem with uh, the treasure vaults, was uh, it feels like we immediately pivoted away To focus on something else, and it's just like I want to get back to that. I was having fun with that. So um of course it was doing doing a lost shipment voyage that we uh got you over level one hundred, Jeff. Uh now granted Yeah, what a
0: boring way to get to level one hundred. Well shipment voyages. Yeah,
1: we the problem was we couldn't find the key or something. Um and while we were sailing around we ax- we we ended up having an encounter with the shrouded ghost megalodon which Whoa! for those who don't know what the shrouded ghost is if if you're not a sea of thieves player or or somebody who's well steeped in the 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 memes of that that particular community uh the shrouded ghost is the probably the most elusive thing in the game um it's definitely the commendations that are hardest to obtain uh, naturally. Like, you you can't ever just stumble upon the Shroud of Ghost. It has a spawn rate that's uh, absurdly small.
0: Yeah. Nobody knows exactly the kind of coding behind it. But, like, if I just had to take a, a guess in the dark, I would say it probably works where every time... The game decides to throw a Megalodon at you. It rolls a dice to decide what color the Megalodon will be. And then the Shroud of Ghost is one of the options, but it's got like a 1 in 10,000 chance or some shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we found a Shroud of Ghost, which is like... It, it, what was so funny is we, we killed it. And then it changed the way I thought of Megalodons for like the next two months. It was like every time there's a Megalodon, I'm like, oh, is this another Shroud of Ghosts? Like I'd get excited because now I've seen that it's possible. Like even oh, though I I always, I, I always knew it was possible, but it just, you know, it changed. That I still excitement, get excited.
1: Like- yeah, I still get excited because I mean the the, not even a joke. The ritual whenever we would hear a Megalodon, either the roar or the music that would kick in, we would be like, what's the color? you know uh um, yeah
0: but it would be a very mundane it'd be like uh there's a megalodon somebody let me know what color it is so i i know for sure to not be bothered uh
1: or, or sometimes we'll make a joke where we'll say oh it's the shroud of ghosts you better get back to the ship it's the shroud of ghosts this year <laughs>
0: Run, uh, briggle
1: yeah yeah and then uh i i put up the clip on our youtube channel so you could you could relive this moment um during one of our stream of thieves but it was uh it was just full of our routine banter, uh, our our jokes of the day. That day in particular was Craig Duncan's ten year anniversary at Rare, so we were making a lot of Craig Duncan jokes. We were Duncan on the Duncan, and we were we were making jokes about monster meat. That was one of our reoccurring gags of the day, joking about monster meat, which is like the the in game me- megalodon meat you can cook or, or Kraken, Kraken meat you can cook. Yeah. Uh, because one of the deeds was cooking monster meat. So we were making lots of monster meat jokes and, uh, you can just hear our inane chatter, uh, right before we all realize it's the shroud of ghost. And then things get deadly serious because we can't sink. We can't have it despawn. We can't, what if another crew shows up and, you know, like sinks us and like, what, what happens?
0: It's like, like let's just get this done before anything happens. Like who knows? Um, yeah, it's also a really fun clip because you can see Heil is, uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? He's shook. He's he's shaken. He, <laughs> you can tell, not necessarily in his voice, but like he goes, he grabs a bucket, he comes upstairs, he goes back downstairs and dumps the bucket back out. <laughs>
1: No, well, okay. So the the downside to being the one who's streaming is you have cameras in your your character's eyeballs. So yeah, like all of my like panic is, is clearly visible <laughs> in my in my actions because I I'm I'm trying to keep calm. I'm trying to get the job done but the adrenaline is overwhelming my senses and so i yeah i am a mess
0: yeah it's it's pretty funny um but yeah you could tell like we're we're pretty serious business at that point and we killed the of ghost and uh what was just so amazing about it uh, obviously it's amazing to kill the of ghost but what a what a wild kind of coincidence of timing is that the renown I got from killing the Shrouded Ghost is what leveled me up to Season Renown 100. Um, and I I put the clip on Twitter, because I clipped it and made a GIF of it, where it's, uh you can see the Shrouded Ghost is dead, I'm getting pop-ups, and the pop-ups are like, you killed the Shrouded Ghost, here's your commendation, you know, he, here's your title, and then it's like, you just hit level 100, Season Renown, here's your rewards, and... <laughs> And, uh, so that's a pretty cool, like, it's, it's not usual that you have a moment that could be the viral Sea of Thieves moment of the week. And I feel like that was up there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Now I'm using that as my title on the game. You, but you said that you use the, uh, the summer of Sea of Thieves one. I use that Hunter of the Shrouded Ghost one, just because every time someone sees that on you, I, I assume they judge me because that's what I did to other people. When I see someone else with the shrouded ghost title I'd be like, "Oh, look at this no lifer. this guy plays 80 hours a week." Right. Like
1: <laughs> that, that that's also what I noticed on the other side of killing the shrouded ghost is the disdain people have for people who have actually encountered the shrouded ghost. Uh it's like, "Oh, oh look yeah. at the, look, look at these assholes in the top 1%." And it's well, like, the, "Oh, the,
0: you know you know what annoys me 10 times worse than that hile Yeah. Is there's what? the meme, there's the meme joke that it, Oh, the Shroud of ghost doesn't exist. I don't believe you, uh, and then there's in any kind of joke, there's like a spectrum of people who take it too seriously, yeah, uh, and there's people who who have just like very vehemently uh insisted that I photoshopped the video and uh and like oh, I've been playing since the technical alpha, so uh, I've played years, and I've never seen one, so it can't be real. And first of all, the of Ghost didn't exist in the technical alpha, so it doesn't matter how long you've been playing, mister. And
1: also, I've been playing since I played it at Rare in May of 2016, so that's how Jeff got it, because I I called in some favors. So it doesn't matter if you've been playing since the technical alpha.
0: Craig Duncan was feeling generous that day. He's like, all right. Anyone who from the 2016 play session who is online right now gets a shot at gust, right? And you were yep. the only one. Yeah,
1: so we we all got it. yeah. It was it was funny because it was it was you, me, Cameron, and Dre was with us that day, and yeah. and so just the luck of the draw. But could you imagine if we encountered it in a week? You were sitting out, or uh, you know, like it, that was always the fear. Like what? What if like it's it the Shrouded ghost appears, and it's like w- will one of us be kicking ourselves if we like aren't on that session and and so um
0: yeah, can you imagine if it had been a week when Briegel was with us, and uh if we had to three man a, a shrouded ghost? <laughs>
1: yeah, because Briegel was halfway across the map, We'd be uh, like, "Briegel, uh, get back here there's crates. a shrouded
0: ghost. And he'd be like, "I can't. I'm delivering a wood crate and a rowboat on the other region." Um, no, he probably would come back, <laughs> probably for the
1: Shroud of Ghost. Yeah, he, he would abandon yeah. that wood crate pretty quickly.
0: Um, yeah. So that's kind of uh, that was kind of our first month experience. But so we we had this three month season, and they, there was a bit of a cadence to things that were going on. Uh, every month there was a, a weekend of Twitch drops. Every month they ex- expanded this Dark Adventurer cosmetic set. Which is just like the the most insanely expensive set in the whole game, and it's um, I I've I've been calling it the Edgelord Lord set. Oh yeah, and, it, and I don't I don't even mean it like an insulting way. It's it's like if if I'm Sonic the Hedgehog, this set is Shadow the Hedgehog, like just dripping with edginess. And, well, and uh, I feel
1: like it's it's designed for the people who would traditionally wear the ghost st- uh, shit, the uh, ghost uh, cosmetics. Like the 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 ones who are all about PvP, they sail on a brigantine. They, you know,
0: because they can't find three friends because they're dicks.
1: Uh, yeah, they're they're like they're all about um, presenting themselves as alphas, and you know the the kind of people we generally avoid in game. Um, but I feel like this is this is Taylor Bay for them. Me, I'm I'm saving up for the pill people figurehead.
0: Yeah, I bought that one, and uh, I like it. And then I finally have just kind of gotten around to replacing all the gold that I lost on it, because it's expensive. <laughs> Not as expensive as this, though, right? No, this so is... I think that this... So they added parts of the set each month. They had kind of the like the equipment one month, and then the clothing one month, and then like the ship set and weapons one month or something like that. And if you get everything, that's I think that's like... There's like thirteen equipment, and then there's like thirteen clothing. I don't know what it is so it's like it's probably over thirty total pieces, whatever it is, but those like thirty something total pieces all together are like eighty million gold yeah um there's like sales in there, like the sales on the ship are like eight million um <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, so I, I don't I don't know if
1: we I don't know if we can translate to people who aren't familiar with like the economics of the game, but that's a ridiculous number. Like you're not gonna get eight million gold unless you've been saving for for months and months and months and months and months, or you play every day.
0: That this is like the streamer set I've been thinking of it too, because this is a big thing, is that the people who want like a gold sink, they this is a, a topic in the community, like I want something to sink my gold into. And cosmetics don't solve that problem because they're a one-time purchase, so they kind of delay the problem. Anyone who can save up 80 million gold can do it again, you know what I mean? So uh, it just is this inflated economy where those players who play for 80 hours a week. But streamers are in that crowd because if you are a full-time streamer and you play this game probably six or more hours, six or more days a week then, yeah, you're probably going to have, like, 80 million gold. Um, it's not for me. It's not for me. I asked a streamer, I was, like, watching a stream during a Twitch drops, and I asked him, I was like, uh, hey, do you feel like this new season progression um, motivates you more? Because I'm just curious how different people in the community are reacting to it. I find the season progression motivated me to play more. I asked the streamer, I was like, does it motivate you? They said, no, it doesn't motivate me at all. I'm going to finish that in, like, a day. Uh, But uh, but he said, what does motivate me is this Dark Adventurer set. I actually want to go out and earn the gold. Because the people who have enough money for it are also people who have bought everything else in the game. And they're like, I want a reason to go out and save up gold again. And buy an $80 million set. So, a gold, $80 gold set. So... That's not for us, but it's pretty cool looking though some I of suppose. the pieces i think the really... pil-
1: i think the pill people figurehead is cooler looking, but
0: I agree, but it's like as a as a cool one time piece every every
1: time I say the pill people figurehead, I think i'm like it's like oh they they made a figurehead
0: of my aunt and uncle ha <laughs> ha um. Yeah, so so yeah, throughout this period we had like the Twitch drops, we had those cosmetics, we had new Emporium updates every month. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the frozen cosmetics that kind of don't fit the pirate world so much, but like at least aesthetically are adjacent. That's where I feel like the Emporium has the freedom to do stuff that's more out there. Yeah. And there was kind of every month of this season fit that theme of of kind of more out there stuff. They had the Lunar Festival, which was it's their kind of Chinese New Year celebration,
1: right? Um, so it, it's uh, inspired like China or just East Asian cultures uh, in particular, but just that very uh, specific aesthetic, and then it you know ties in with the Year of the Ox. So you have uh, I think the Ox figurehead was the collector's figurehead that you know you you could buy. Um, but, um, yeah, and then you had, uh, in February, uh, th- this is really getting a field from the, the, um, the aesthetics of the game, but you had what was called the Rogue Tinkerer, uh, ship set and costumes.
0: And which it which was, was what I was calling you while you were taking your little bathroom break.
1: Oh, okay, well, I edited that at bathroom break out of the show, so people are just gonna be like, wait, Hyle just pees while he's talking? all right uh no it, it, it was uh steampunk inspired which uh looking at like the era that steampunk is supposed to invoke, you know it's like well, I thought steampunk was more like victorian era up rather than like like the era of steam right like uh steam powered stuff, not the era of sale and, and right uh it's definitely but, kind
0: of a, a steampunky aesthetic, but in the way it's implemented doesn't actually reference Steam at all. Um, so that, I guess it works. It's really just more, the the way they pitch it is that it's some kind of um, inventor mind. this like a uh, person who invents uh, machines, like pulleys and, and trinkets and stuff. Um, but then you've got the costume where you've got like a robot arm, which is kind of weird. For sea of not, not, I
1: mean not robot but like me- like uh, mechanical or uh clockwork you know um that, right. that kind of uh but it, it it works when you consider like in the sea of thieves' lore you had Shan the inventor uh part of ramsey's crew uh in the Athena's fortune novel, who is the one who designed like the um, the chest and the the cannons that can fire players out of like. He, he's the mind behind all of that. So he is a rogue tinkerer. So you could, you You kind of have the,
0: the trap maker as well. Uh, who worked with kind of mechanical machines to not like, you know, just kind of, uh, simple machines and stuff and, and tinkering to create traps and, and, uh, you know, step on the weight to trigger the swinging axe Ah, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Very Uh, Indiana Jones. Yes, yes. And then in March we had the Sea of Sands Cosmetics which uh broadly inspired by, you know, like Arabian Nights, uh Aladdin, you know, that that kind of um classical Persian Arabian aesthetic.
0: Right. And I think it fits, you know, you have like the tales of Sinbad the Sailor, which is straight up pirates but they're Arabian uh there are pirates of arabian origin um so i it kind of works uh and it but the the aesthetics of this one are very much like genie in a bottle uh kind of aesthetics and they and they talk about the the desert they say like this is inspired by the desert kingdoms or something like that um so it does kind of expand this other world this worldliness of sea of thieves that there is a world outside the sea of thieves And, um, you know, we're not in a game that's about, uh, Aladdin and Arabian Nights and stuff, but that stuff is existing in Sea of Thieves' world in the periphery, and the Emporium can kind of bring stuff like that in, because it's a little bit divorced from the core context of the game, I guess.
1: Right, this is still, like, uh a game full of pirates from that come from around the world to Sea of Thieves. So they would bring elements of their culture to the Sea of Thieves, which I, I enjoy. It, it's a nice big cultural mosaic uh the, the Sea of Thieves. And also I like I made I made a tweet about it uh that you know rare in in the peripheral of rare shared universe they always have had genies and, and like from Taj to Fez the Genie, everybody's favorite from It's Mr. Pants. I know you were about to say it, Jeff. I'm sorry, yeah. I cut you off. Uh, uh, you know, we had uh, the the this genie character from Diddy Kong Pilot that K Roll was going to meet in El Dorado. That game was going to be weird too, but you know, I, I like that there there's this whole like mythology just waiting to be explored if rare ever wanted to do a deep dive like their own Prince of Persia game or whatever but uh just like Sea of Thieves was finally their deep dive into pirate lore uh which they've been seeding for since the days of Ultimate Play the Game so
0: yeah yeah so outside of the cosmetics then throughout the season every month also brought those kind of live events that we've talked about so um You have your season progression. You got a little level to 100. You had a new merchant voyage with its own little commendations that you could kind of work on. But then also every month they did like an event that would uh, give you a light touch, a light push in the direction of doing a certain activity. And we're the kind of players that always do all of those because we want the cosmetics. Um, And we'll talk about each of them. But a big part of it that I like that they've improved on in the past half a year is they stopped making the cosmetics time-limited to that event. So you have an event, go do some tasks to earn these cosmetics. When that event is over, the next month that the game updates, all those cosmetics go added into the shops, but they're locked behind accommodation that already exists in the game. Um, So, for example, with the Champions of Souls uh, event that was in January, you had a point-based system... To defeat different skeleton threats. And ghost threats. You know it was like earn. Earn two points every time you kill a ghost ship. Earn 20 points if you kill the burning blade. Earn uh, 10 points if you kill a skeleton captain. Earn 20 points if you kill an ashen lord. Whatever. And then you could kind of go about. However you wanted to earn enough points. To get these cosmetics. When the event is over. Those cosmetics went into the shops. And then they're just locked behind a commendation relevant to that event. So you'd have like, there's commendations in the game already for defeating the Burning Blade like 10 times. So maybe one of them is locked behind that. Mm-hmm. But it's nice just to have that option. Like if I'm not in the game every month, I obviously I'm going to be, but I'm talking about a, a hypothetical person who maybe doesn't play every month or will go on vacation and miss some t- some events. Uh, you don't miss out on the cosmetics so it has reduced that kind of pushy fear of missing out. Like, you know, the the devs don't want you to f- feel negative feelings to motivate you to play. They want you to be motivated to play because it's fun and you like it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a good change.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think that was that that fear was what really caused them to reevaluate how they were doing things like the black market back in the day um cuz for a time items would just disappear from it um after the month was over or or you know between uh, before the next update and so uh then they just added you know the black market archive where everything was in there and you know oh you you didn't buy it this month but it's still going to be in there and now they've they've applied that as kind of a broader philosophy throughout the game so
0: right yeah, so then into February, the, that Champions of Souls event was, was pretty straightforward. We we fought some skeletons for a while. We did a couple flame heart battles. Uh, I don't remember it too well. Um, but the Festival of Fishing in February I found more memorable, which is surprising because it sounds like it'd be like a much more chill or even maybe boring event, uh, but I didn't think it was boring at all. Um, the Festival of Fishing did kind of like the Fate of the Damned where every week was like a... Uh, a, a new voyage and a new add to the story. And, um, I mean, it wasn't very story focused. It was kind of like the build rats just wanted to host an event. Um, but yeah, every week you focused on different fish. It's like this week, the challenges are catch, uh, pondies and wreckers. So for one week, one, one of our play sessions, uh, we went, and we camped at a pond and caught a bunch of fish. And then we went, and we camped at a shipwreck and caught a bunch of fish and, and it was pretty chill. Um, but then the next week, you have to go after storm fish and isle hoppers and uh so it's less chill because now we're storm chasing, which is a very different so now instead of sitting in place fishing, we're actively like following a storm and trying to you know uh catch fish while dealing with the hazards of a storm, so that's exciting and different um and then the final week was. Uh, you had to catch devil fish in the in the in the devil 's roar um and avoid volcanoes, but then you also had to catch battle gills and that 's where we really kind of ran into a hard time that until we kind of we kept trying different ways to what 's the easiest way to catch battle gills and figured it out and i I had a lot of fun with that
1: yeah it it was like it's, i i like fishing in the game and that 's something that 's definitely like kind of inspired the the completionist like pokemon style gotta catch them all sort of uh mentality in my brain where like you know i i'm i'm out of our regular crew i think i'm the one who's the most focused on fishing um and and i kind of have a cold war going with chris alcock over the fish we we catch and um you know who who catches all the fish first so to have an event centered around that and get the rest of the crew kind of on board with, okay, well, we're just catching fish today uh, was really fun. But then to also then get that towards fish that even I don't go after that all that much, like battle gills, which only appear uh, in battles, you know, like uh, at a fort or during ship battles. Uh, and, and so there's that element of danger. So you kind of need the whole crew involved. Uh, when when you're going after them, uh, unless you have no fears whatsoever, and I'm a man full of fear, so uh, you know, we we had to figure out a, an efficient way of catching battle gills, and ultimately that was catching them during the middle of a skelly fight, a skelly ship fight. But um, we we tried different things, like me going to on the skelly galleon, uh, and and fishing from off the chicken porch on the skelly galleon didn't really work right um and then we eventually figured out that if i fish from our chicken porch the chicken porch by the way i should explain the chicken porch is the porch on the the galleon uh that, that like wraps around from the captain's cabin and we call it the chicken porch because that's where we've always traditionally stashed chickens that we catch
0: i don't remember catching a chicken in like two years But when when the game was new and you you went about catching chickens, that's where we would put our chickens so that they didn't get killed because it's a spot that doesn't get shot very often. And uh, and it's also a place we can keep them separate from the snakes because snakes will spit venom on them. Um, And even though we haven't caught chickens in years, we still call it the chicken porch because that's what it is.
1: (laughs) It's just in-game vernacular shorthand that we use, uh, at least uh, amongst our crew. Uh, and, and various rotating crew members that it just, it's it just, you know, you know what it is. And it's just a fun term. It's the chicken porch. uh But yeah, I, I fish from the chicken porch. I think two, two of us fish from the chicken porch while someone like Cameron would, would be on the skelly galleon engaging skellies. And the goal was not to sink them, but to keep them engaged and to stay afloat while we were catching battle gills.
0: And then as the driver, so the trick that we kind of figured out at first was go after the skeleton ship and, and you have you board them and fish and it just wasn't working. Then I kind of, we figured if I crash directly into their side and just keep stuck to them, like no matter where they sail, if I can stick next to them, then they can't shoot us with cannons. And if they did shoot us with cannons, they'd be shooting like at the top of our deck, like not hitting the bottom. So I was just constantly driving into the skeleton ship to keep us side by side so that you guys could fish in peace. But then we ran into trouble that we kept having a storm follow us and that would break off the skeleton ship and we'd have to like outrun the storm and, and then come back after the skeleton ship. It was, it, was, it was a whole ordeal. I think the whole thing would have been easy if a fort popped up And we could just sit on a fort and fish. But one of them never did. Actually, like, maybe we saw one at the start of our session and we sailed towards it and then it disappeared because we were too late. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, I liked that. That was a moment where adversity and, like, struggling with a task actually made it ten times better when we managed to pull it off and complete it. Right.
1: And it also just, from a a purely, like, uh, streaming standpoint i think it made for a more exciting stream too because we 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 were we were uh constantly uh in motion we were constantly like in the fight we weren't just at the side of the fight so um it ultimately worked out well
0: yeah and i I, what i liked i thought was impressive was that the festival of fishing ended up being we played three weeks of, of fishing sessions in a row and each week felt very different. Even though today we're going to be fishing. It sounds like it'd be the same thing for three weeks. Every week felt different. You know, like uh, chasing a storm is very different than ch- than fishing off a skeleton ship uh, versus a chill pondy stream. You know what I mean? So I liked that um, we were able to do a lot of fishing, but then also it felt like a lot of variety of the things we were doing while fishing.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. And then you get into March. March had the Vault Raiders event. This one was pretty low-key just because it was so easy to do all the challenges in, like, a day.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we breezed through these with little problem. Um, yeah. And th- this was also a way, it, it brought back the um, Gold Hoarder Vaults, the the Vaults of the Ancients. Um, and I say it brought them back, I mean, they're always around, but it reprioritized the focus. them. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah. So it's it was like that Champions of Soul event where they had a point-based system. It's like you can earn points uh towards the overall points you need uh to unlock the cosmetics. Um uh, but you can earn the points in a variety of ways and kind of choose how you go about that. Um and it was just too easy. It was like they gave you too many points that you could all you could get them all done in one go. Like Sail, you, earning points for sailing while on a voyage and earning points for completing a voyage were two separate things, but they obviously tie together. And then it was like, earn points for every captain's chest you sell, but also earn points for uh, completing, for getting the vault, The what do you call it? The chest of the ancients. And it's like, okay, so if we do one vault voyage, you're going to get a chest of the ancients. You're going to get a bunch of captain's chests. You're going to get mileage on a voyage you're gonna complete a voyage, so that's like four of the different point earners in one task, instead of yeah. having four different tasks, you could choose which ones you want to do. So you know, kind of weak, but I liked I liked the push to do the vaults. I'm glad we spent one weekend or one session just doing vaults. Yeah, um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, but that wasn't the most exciting session we had in March. Um and I don't think we're going to talk like too in detail about it, but March also brought in kind of a new thing in the game, a quest line um, called the Legend of Glitterbeard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did that the first weekend of that March update. Um, but for players that are interested in that, it's kind of a, a series of journals you can discover in the world, and you go around searching for the journals and reading the story of Glitterbeard, which was a tribute to a rare employee, um, a a dev that passed away, Jim White. And so, it's a really touching tribute to be able to, like, experience the game kind of through the eyes of the Glitterbeard character, and it it really captures a lot of the pureness of Sea of Thieves, the joys, and the friendship making, and all these things that you, and you read all the story, and, um, and then you kind of solve a quest by doing that. That we won't spoil, but we I will won't. say, in terms of emotions, though, it was a really awesome, uh, touching experience to to go through together with yeah. each other and with other people.
1: I think I think Rare specifically asked people not to spoil it um, or or to spoil the 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 means to the completing it um oh obviously we streamed the whole session and we we did it in one go but um you know we we won't spoil it here and uh it, I think it was the first time uh in a, in a while they've added anything new to the like um build rat um commendations um because it it was added to the uh, legends of the sea uh yeah. the uh, yeah but uh the the umbra the umbra voyages um but yeah it it was uh it was definitely touching and it it definitely highlighted i think the elements of sea of Thieves that I always try to uh spotlight and and talk about because i think a lot of times you know a lot of people think you know because of uh the popularity of, of certain streamers and people think it's just a pvp driven game and it's, it's full of antagonism and no it's also this it's also uh quite beautiful in places so um it was kind of c- cool to have the spotlight on that
0: yeah absolutely and i think that pretty much kind of rounds out what season one was like what it was yeah. to us and uh, what, how the experiences we had in it um but uh, obviously, I, I just think that in, in, a good summary of it would be just to say how much Sea of Thieves is bigger than ever. You know what I mean? It's, it's amazing. They've hit 20 million players this uh, recent period, like since their anniversary. They hit their three-year anniversary, um, and they hit 20 million players. They, 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 they came out with a Sea of Thieves Monopoly official tie-in game, um, Which is terrible because Monopoly is not a good game. But it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing that Sea of Thieves has a Monopoly game.
1: Yeah, Donkey Kong Country just had POG. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and POG means something different today. Um, Internet lingo, it just changes all the time. Uh, But, uh, yeah, there's the Monopoly game. And then, of course, Rare won the BAFTA for evolving game. Which I feel like is just especially amazing that they won it in that category in the year when people were working from home in the pandemic year. Yeah. They like that had to be the hardest category to win in a pandemic year. It's to keep an ever evolving game afloat. Like Eat and up shit, against Fortnite. Yeah, up against heavy hitters. Destiny 2, Fortnite, uh the others. Uh <laughs> I don't remember Fall Guys. Um yeah, so, uh, and no, no Man's Sky, I think, was probably one of the nominees. Um, so, yeah, I think it's exciting. It, it's it, what, what constantly surprises me is how long we've been at this as fans of the game and as, and as followers of the game. Uh, how often I am talking about the game and I'm just excited still about, like, everything that's happened but what where it's g- going to. Like, three years later, it doesn't feel like it's on the downswing. That's the amazing part.
1: No, and that's... It's been weird for me, right? Because traditionally, it's always been Rare releases a game. I play it. I enjoy it. When's the next Rare game coming out? And then, like, most of my focus in Rare fandom, in my life as a Rare fan, has always been... When is the next Rare game coming out? It's been a cycle of hype rather than just enjoying what I have. Sea of Thieves is the first time where I've got to live with a game that's growing and evolving. And it it satiates me. It it, it feeds that hunger. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to Everwild, but I'm not, like, constantly sitting around twiddling my thumbs, like, oh, when's Everwild coming out? Why haven't I gotten more news about Everwild? Uh it's just like, oh, I, I'm pretty content with Sea of Thieves. Cool, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It's a weird feeling, but it's also a good feeling. And I feel like because that, you know, people ask me, "Heil of DK Vine, how are you not clawing your eyes out and 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 feeding them to rats when you don't have a new banjo game? You haven't had a new banjo game since nuts and bolts. How are how are you sustaining yourself?" And I'm like, well, I have Sea of Thieves. I've, I've had sea of thieves for three years now and i've I've loved it every week i mean i I don't know what to say I don't know what to tell you except uh now's a great time to try it because it really does feel more accessible than ever and I feel like it it's kinder and and more welcoming of all play styles and philosophies and it's not just lip service necessarily anymore that gets crowded out by you know well, we, we we need content. We need to devise challenges, and and we're we're going to sort of lose focus over you know be the pirate you want to be. Now you can be, and the game pats you on the back for it. Uh,
0: it's it's a it's a good time. Uh, yeah, yeah, better and time it,
1: than Fortnite, according to BAFTA.
0: So yeah, and BAFTA knows. Um, so yeah, I've played Sea of Thieves probably with forty different DK viners, like people who have come to Sea of Thieves from the DK Vine community. And that's a large number. I I don't want to say that we have a small community, but in terms of the people that are like the most engaged, you know, socially with one another, it is a kind of a small group. And so to say I've played with like 40 different people is a lot just from DK Vine. And so when you say like, oh, a lot of the DK Vine fans don't like Sea of Thieves and a lot of the Sea of Thieves fans don't like DK Vine, that's true in a broad kind of sense. But... The overlap is getting bigger all the time.
1: It is. Yeah. It, it, it's like that Beatles song about beating your girlfriend. It's getting better all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. And boy, are my arms tired. This has been a File 2 production.
1: Keriko.